Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? First of all, thank you to everybody that came out to the uh, Rob Bell uh, Together at Last show at the Region Theater in L.A. It was, it was just phenomenal. It, it sold out. That meant so much to me. There were so many weirdos there, and it was just so much fun. Uh, I, I guarantee uh, Rob and I will do it again. So keep an eye out for uh, more dates. We, we should be uh, touring with that, which is a real thrill and a dream come true, obviously. Super, super fun. Uh, Henry Rollins, what a find. My friend Tom Osborne, who is, is my music Hookup is uh, just amazing. He, he's made so many wonderful musical guests happen in the past, and I was so grateful that he was able to make Henry uh, happen here, too. So I'm grateful for that. Henry is so cool. Let's get to it as quickly as possible. The tour dates are all on PeteHolmes.com, as are uh, links to both T-shirts, PD is My Homeboy and the Piano Keys T-shirt, if you're interested. There's now links on PeteHolmes.com. Tour dates, Irvine, California. we got San Diego. I'm going to be in San Francisco for Sketchfest. Lots of different things coming up, so please check that out. The uh, sponsor for this show is for Man Seeking Woman, a new show on FXX with Jay Barishall, uh, who I've met. He's so funny, such a cool dude. It's called Man Seeking Woman. It's an FXX original comedy series created by former SNL writer Simon Rich and starring, as I said, Jay Barishall. It's a half-hour series with a sweet and absurd look at the surreal life-and-death stakes of dating. It centers around Josh Greenberg, who's uh, Jay, a naive romantic on a desperate quest for love. Rounding out the cast are series regulars like Eric Andre, one of the uh, You Made a Weird favorite. He's from the Eric Andre show. Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Britt Lover uh, from Unforgettable. And Maya, I hope I'm saying this right, Maya Erskine. Erskine? Erskine. It's got to be Erskine. It's not Erskine. Maya Erskine from Betas. So tune in, everybody. It's called Man Seeking Woman. FXX Insanely Original Comedy Premieres. Wednesday, January 14th at 10.30 on FXX. Obviously, that's 10.30 p.m. Check out my man. My man. Jay Baruchel. So funny on the new show, Man Seeking Woman. All right, guys. Enjoy Henry Rollins. Very punk rock. Very into it. Very intense. And very, very good. Get into it. <laughs> How's it going, man? Okay. Just okay? Yeah. What's up? Oh, I just... <laughs> like right into it. What's I, going on? Well, the thing that taps my biggest insecurity is, a, is having a lack of work. And so that's, yeah. what, that's what makes me nervous. You know what's funny is uh, I don't usually prepare too much for these things. But one of the questions I wrote down for you was, are you addicted to your work? Yeah. I like to be – right now, as it is, uh, sitting here right now, I have full-time employment that engages me full-time, which is the most important part. Yeah. The salary is fine. I don't really care about that. It's – I want too much to do. And so as it is now, being such a workaholic type, uh, I have plenty to do. But plenty's not enough. I, I want too much. And so I'm in this unenviable limbo of I've me and other people t- I've conspired with. We've pitched shows. Yeah. They are at places getting hmmed over. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you kind of wait like, well, they seem really interested. And this is the first time in my life 
I'm 53, about to be 54. So first time in my life, I haven't had my year almost fully choked with employment by the first week of January. Really? Yeah, where I'm going to be busy, but not choked with employment. Well, yeah, I like to Sounds work. unpleasant. Well, I like to work too much. Yeah. I, that, I just want to have a schedule that well, makes me have to run. And I'm right there with you. For the first year of my life, I don't have it, and it's really weird. So. It's disempowered to be waiting. I'm also waiting to hear about a couple things, and, and I, I hate it. Yeah, I think that's what they pay us for. It's, it's like B.B. Uh, King said, they, uh, I, they pay me to travel, I play for free. You ever hear that quote? No, but uh, I get it. You know I can, what I mean? Yeah, no, I can totally dig it. Your salary is inflated because we, we have to, you know, I, I don't mean to assume, but my salary is inflated because I have to go through the subtle agony of knowing that your fate and your life could change with one phone call, mm-hmm. one email, one moment. Yeah, I did a thing in the LA Weekly for, I guess, a week from this week. It'll be out. I called it The Hustle. I don't know the editors changed the titles quite often. but um, <laughs> They made it sui- fuck suicide. <laughs> that wasn't my title. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, I wrote That's a- why I, I knew that wasn't your title. No. That's what I was referencing. <laughs> I, I, wrote, I wrote a whole thing on this lifestyle where I've been, basically been improving it. Yeah. For 30-some years. Like, I don't have a plan, except I want to do really cool stuff and not flip burgers. Yeah. Because I'm sure I'll be flipping burgers again by before it's all over. But I'm trying to stave off that wolf from the doors <laughs> for as long as possible. And so in our line of work, things are going great. And then one day they're not. And there's usually not a halfway house between those two things. Yeah, it's like skateboarders. You're either phenomenal or you can't do one ollie. Right. <laughs> That's and how careers go. <laughs> I, I, I wrote it down as, is the kind of employment I get, which is an album or a season or an agreed upon time period, is that just the opium den of employment before I have to go out into the real world where I am just a screw up so you're and fi- I'm not employed? You're 54 – I'm 35. I, I have that. I, we all have that. Anybody yeah. that's kind of, I think, off the beaten path, it, I don't care what you're doing, if it's photography or music or comedy or whatever, you, you always have it to a certain extent, but you haven't yet relaxed. You're reminding me of, uh, they say like Jay Leno doesn't spend his money and stuff. He's worried that he's going to be a janitor. I, I think that's probably be, long behind Jay. It might be in his head, but I, I doubt that he's going to have that problem. Yeah, but I, when you but say I, that, I'm like, what, what would have to happen like, as, as my therapist would say, act out the fantasy. What would happen for you? You have to have some dough. Oh, no, this isn't a fiscal concern. It isn't? No. But why would you flip burgers just because you have to have something to do? Oh, well, you never know. America's a turbulent place. No, I, I don't. That would be fiscal. My, my accountant would probably say, no, no, you, you just keep eating your Wheaties and get out there. You'll be okay. Yeah. But I don't ever assume. <laughs> and I, I come from the minimum wage working world. And I've been kind of singing and dancing for my dinner ever since. And in this line of work, you just show up with a lot of – you have to have a lot of backbone. Like, do you think you can do this? Like, hell yeah. Yeah. you trained for it? Well, no. But, like, put the light on me. I'll try it. Right. And Is that in your bones? That's what I wrote down. I said that sort of confidence and that compulsion, it has to be in you. When you're pushed down to the granite. That's an interesting topic. Yeah, hit it. Well, well, you said two words. You said confidence – and compulsion. Yeah. I have no confidence <laughs> at all. 
I, I'm like the small animal backed into a corner that will lunge at the throat of the oppressor. Yeah. Like, well, he, they, with one squeeze, I'm, you know. See, that's what makes my you. My head like, pops off. You're a compelling character because you should have confidence. I. But you don't. I'm glad I don't. Mm. In that it keeps the blood thin, keeps you in, <laughs> keeps you in the moment. Yes. Because confidence, you look away from your opponent when you're confident, and that's how the guy who's never won anything in his life knocks out a champion. That's right. Because the champion, went, oh, look at this guy. That guy wants it more than you do on that morning. That's right. So if you don't remain hungry and desperate. Right. You're Tyson getting fat before. There, yeah, there's a guy fat. who's living on top ramen noodles in the back of his Hyundai who wants that part. That's right. And I'm in line auditioning with people like that all the time. I go, yeah, man, you better bring some game because this guy really wants this job. I have to want it as much as he does. Yeah. And so. Where do you find that if it's not fiscally? Most people, a cheap way to get there is you need the money, but you're doing it because you're, you want relevance. You want. No, I like, I like to be really busy. And not to have life pass me by. That's why I travel the way I do and work at the rate I do. And I'm not saying I'm anything great because the stuff I put out is probably mediocre. I'm just saying it's a, it's a metabolism that I'm trying to maintain. Yeah. Where every day you kind of have this cold water, cold breakfast, a lot of push-ups mentality. Like mm-hmm. to make it happen, I'm going to have to push the damn thing up the hill because yeah. it's not it's – not, it's manual. And, and so – Going at it like it could all end tomorrow makes you spend wisely and live. This is just, I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah, no, And please. live in a way that keeps you pretty, n- not normal, but. Uh, Grounded? Yes. Yeah. That's the perfect word. Yeah. In that you can. In this line of work, sometimes people can be very nice to you. Doors open. Uh, you are given things for free. Uh, things are made available to you. And you can kind of lose the plot and think that's what you're owed or that's how it is. Believing your hype. Yeah. And if you never do... Hospital corners on your bed. <laughs> well, I, I make my bed every morning. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. I would have bet that you make your bed every morning. Uh, because I, you don't want to believe the hype that your, your housekeeper or whatever should make your bed. Right? I... I yeah, I just need to be able to face myself. And it's, <laughs> what a loaded statement. You're right. Well, I, I'm not exactly Mr. Moral Rectitude or any shining star of anything except uh, <laughs> sleeping late in procrastination. But yeah. I have always tried to be vigorous yeah. with work. Even when I was doing like time, when I punch in a time card, I'd always be there longer. But in the independent entertainment world, which is loosely what I'm I've pinned myself into. Yeah. It's going great. And then sometimes it's not. And so you just have to be cool, you know, in those times and just keep showing up for stuff and keep thinking. Well, I was going to ask, what does it feel like to not be working? Because it sounds like to me, your brain is, is acting on the impulse to prevent pain. Yes. You're not necessarily trying to gain pleasure. You just don't want the pain of shuffling around your house. I do almost everything as a coping mechanism. Do you, Is it to prevent pain or give yourself pleasure? To, no, no. It, it's to feel even enough to be have some operational functionality on the streets of my beloved America. Yeah. Uh, so, because who wants Mr. Depressed Guy? Who wants, oh, the, it's the sky's falling guy, which I can lapse into if I'm not kept busy enough. Yeah. And so basically, my, the woman who's been at my office for 17 years, she's the smart one. She bosses me around. 
And she gets on the phone with people. Could you have anything for him? Get him out of here. He's driving me nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, keep him busy. You're like a caged animal. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Because I I just really like getting into the world and trying and or failing and seeing what happens rather than – I just came back from a month of travel and I was going from my backpack and my camera out in uh, traipsing through authoritarian regimes in like police states in Hmm. Central Asia Hmm. back to – in my car, to the Starbucks, to the Trader Joe's, back to the pad, put on a record, put on two, make notes about the quality of the repressing of that LP, and then <laughs> grind your teeth and try and go to sleep and guilt yourself into a workout at 0430 the next morning. Is that when you get up? Sometimes, yeah. You I don't want to, but sometimes I have to. You just said sleeping in. Is that sleeping in for you? <laughs> sleeping in is about 8 a.m. You salty dog. That's like, you know, really <laughs> letting it out. That's on the weekends when you drink two cups of coffee during the day instead of one. Where yeah. you, you go a little crazy. When are we going to bed? Uh, you and I? Well, you look pretty good to me. Um, I'm ready when you are, man. I could. We could hit that <laughs> at about 1,700. <laughs> I love the military time, man. You are just living up to what I want. But um, I, <laughs> I'm wondering how much sleep you get. Uh, between four to four to seven, usually between five and six a night. And it's anxiety that so, wakes you up. Um, well, no. and by that I mean drive. You know what I mean? Like anxiety gets a bad rap. I mean, like no, anxiety an, keeps you sharp. Too that's much. What I'm saying. Too much is bad. What's well, a bell curve? Yeah. You want to be right here. You, you want to kind of ride the sweet spot of you anxiety uh-huh. and dissatisfaction, which yep. is another good one. Yeah. And These that, are the cheap fuels that run the machine. And it it keeps you – I'd rather be, a, in my mind, a perpetual freshman. Like, keep me in the in the copy room yeah. so I'm always looking up. Yeah. As soon as I get too high up a mountain, let's just find a bigger mountain – Right away. We're like, you went up eight feet, you're at the top of this mountain. Let's put you on an 80-foot mountain where everything you just did, you're still in the parking lot of this one. Yeah. You thought you had game? Go run up against this. Right. And that way, you keep bringing out parts of yourself that you didn't know you had. Yeah. And even at my ancient age, you can still (laughs) kind of surprise yourself and go, wow, I didn't know I could pull this out of wherever I'm pulling it from now. Isn't that one of the – you tell me. Because uh, out of respect, I say you're older than me. So tell me, isn't that one of the meanings of life is to continue to evolve and grow and challenge? Well, it's, it's one of the meanings of my life <laughs> in that I, I can't tell you how to live. Yeah, I'm giving but, you a green light. Just go ahead and tell me how but, to live. But for me, yeah, it, I, I kind of switched over from a physical to an intellectual value system in my 40s. When my hair started to go gray and I and I would go to the gym and notice that I'm not lifting what I used to. And this is just age. That's why I don't go to the gym because you have that gauge. You're like, it used to be more. Yeah, but that's okay (laughs) if you just look at how the arc of a human. Yeah. I'm like, that's what? You you think you're going to be 90 being a 20-year-old? Get real. That's your And enjoy being 90 when if i if i get there right i'll make it fun and if you get there we'll probably have age reversing uh technology at that point well you know uh, i'll make it doable because i won't be whining that i i wish i was 22 anymore yeah i, I did 22 I, I i lived that year to its maximum degree you did the hell out of 22 I, I killed 22 you really went at 22 hard i can't believe they they didn't retire that year <laughs> 
<laughs> they hung up the year yeah, 22. Sorry, up son, you're going to 23. With Rollins on the back. Yeah. <laughs> you jump from 21 to 23. I'm sorry, son. You. We've outlawed 22. <laughs> he took it. That would be, he forget took- getting a street named after you or some sort of honorary doctorate. Let's take the age 22 yeah. off the spectrum because but, of you. <laughs> but if you keep yourself kind of dissatisfied and throw yourself into situations like, man, can I pull this off? You go out, whether it be on stage, on screen, wherever, with some respect and fear for the task, where if you take your eye off the crocodile, because you see it every day at Crocodile World, that's how you get eaten. Yeah. And that's how you dip into your own BS and kind of crawl into a deep, dark, warm place of your own creation and never get out. Yeah. And I'd rather kind of live in like, oh, no, I don't have any big work for this year and the anxiety and excitement of that because there's excitement you're like okay well then let's let's get busy okay now we're now we're thinking now we're burning lean tissue and i take that (laughs) over a cubicle gig where like my dad he worked in one building his entire life he was a phd he wasn't a factory yeah and I'm sure he, they paid him quite well. He was an economics guy. My mom worked in two buildings, government. She worked for years in one big building near the Smithsonian and then another big building near the Smithsonian. Then she retired. And that was their lives. I'm not putting them down. Sure. They worked very hard. But they had a sure thing. I mean, you can get fired from any job. But they had a sure thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it just kind of hit me the other day uh, that I – have never really had a sure thing. Even my audience, who I am de- very devoted to, they are all thinking wakeful beings in yeah. that they change their mind like I change mine right. all the time. Some of them have kids, they stop going to shows, whatever it is. Whatever, and whatever the reason is, is valid. Yeah. I think you suck now. That's fine. Yeah. In that, if that's what you think, right. i got to let that be. But you seem to have a pretty zen and enabling uh, uh, perspective on the way that the world just happens to be anyway. I mean, why fight it? That's what's going to happen. And you're using that anxiety or that tension or that electricity to make you move forward. And then that gives you, presumably, that gives you some pleasure or yeah. satisfaction. Yeah, it sure keeps things interesting. Yeah. When did you realize you didn't want to walk the straight, the cold gray line? Um. I was thinking about this just the other day. I, I realized, because I, I do interviews quite often, and people ask me, like, so when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah. Never once in my life, even to this day, I've never had that aspiration. Astronaut, fireman, whatever it was, rock star. I never had that moment where if in 11th grade in 1880 when I was young, <laughs> like, Henry, what do you want to be when you grow up? But damn, man, I have no idea. And when I left high school, I went and did full-time versions of the part-time work I'd been doing all through high school. Mm. Parking cars, tearing movie theater tickets, you know, servicing your animal, whatever it was. Sure. Um, but I just did it 40 to 60 hours a week instead of 25 hours a week. And, and I just figured, well, my life will be a Bob Seger or Bruce Springsteen lyric, and I will get used to how much your feet hurt at the end of the day of standing on them. Yeah. You're like, wow, I just power walked from my apartment to my job, just did 10 hours here, and I'm walking back. And you look at your feet like, my feet are swollen. Damn. That's, that, this, and that was my first indication I was in the real world. I'm like, wow, my feet hurt. Huh. Yeah. Okay, well, this is what it's going to be. And then I, 
I got to be in a band. Yeah. And things changed very radically. But I figured my life was going to be that, and I would just get a really cool version of the job I was in at present. I'll get a better one where I'll work at my friend's record store, which probably would have been my next move. Well, at least I'll be around records. Yeah. And that place only closed in 2002. I could have very well been at that place until he closed it. Yeah. 22 years later. Right. But you got to to be in a band. Yeah. And I'm sure you've told that origin story many times, so I I won't ask that of you. But I wonder this, because what I got out of punk rock is an anxiety uh, salve. It helps. You know what I mean? Like when I'm tense and freaked out or stressed, you listen to some uh, punk rock. There's a real need for that. You know what I mean? Is that is that what it did for you performing it? Well, did it calm you down? I guess is my question. Well, it's a it's a place you could go with every ounce of. Some people have a quite an alarming level level of anger, <laughs> and it's not a problem if you can go somewhere and expend it fully. And I'm not trying to be mean, but. I, I've never seen it, but I've heard they take wild horses and they break them mm-hmm. by putting them in water, not to drown them, but the horse is just going crazy and just like, you know, running, but in water and they just wear themselves out and go, all right, put a saddle on me. <laughs> and it's a way of just wearing them out where they don't hurt themselves. Right. And with music, I was able to take so much accumulated you know, I was one of a gajillion angry young men in the world we are a generic species angry young men <laughs> and like give them a microphone in a band by the time you'd get to the end of one of our sets man there there was the full opportunity to expend yourself completely to after the show you're too tired to carry the gear back to the van right and you're quite approachable <laughs> Because you have pacified yourself yeah, horse by, water. by pushing 25 songs through your body, trying to break the air itself. Yeah. And that's the only approach I've ever had to doing music. And you know, I've never spent a day being a musician. I just wanted a beat to put words to so I could have a temper tantrum. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did with music. And that's why a lot of it is not very artful. It is what it is. It's honest. It's not necessarily good, but it's real, you know. And yeah. many years well, ago, I, I stopped. Well, I'm just saying, in the scheme of things, it's not music that'll probably be talked about in a while. And that's fine. It, it was good when we were doing it. But after, after a certain point, I stopped writing lyrics. I just, something in me, I just abandoned the form. I no longer needed it. And some people who are, artists or musicians that's their job in that i don't have a lyric in me today but damn it i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna mine the 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 fertile loam of my of my (laughs) brain and extract something beautiful Mm -hmm. i don't have that at all and so at one point very abruptly i stopped writing lyrics it's like i'd never written one in that if you gave me a blank piece of paper and a pen i really wouldn't know what to do except just make jokes of like a song mm-hmm. where I'd make fun of my own. like, But I don't have anything to say to you or anyone in the world lyrically. And it was this one day, it just stopped. And I said, okay, here's an opportunity to be very brave and to, quote, keep it real, to throw that old thing around again. <laughs> I could keep doing music, but I would be relegated to doing old material in front of an audience that has been 
softened by these songs before. So now I'll get to be like, oh, you remember this one? As this pale, gray-haired man bleats that one-liner from the stage, that would be me. <laughs> and people go, oh, my God, look at his chest hair. It's gray. Oh, my God. We're like, I, and I would say, here's one from before you were born. And I would be accurate with at least a percentage of the audience. Yeah. Your father remembers this one. <laughs> Your father wasn't even born in that time. And so it was either that or I would be a rerun machine. And if other people want to do that, that's fine. But I don't want to. Because a lot of my musical heroes never did. Guys like Miles Davis or John Coltrane, they only went forward. And when the critics said to Miles, we don't like your new stuff, he would just say some unprintable words right. and go to the gig. He right. never looked back. So I said, well, here's an opportunity for me to do something that will really cause a lot of unrest in my own brain. I'm just going to quit doing music, mm. which was like ripping out a few entrails. It was really hard. What did you miss? Cause my, everything. Yeah. I missed all of it, especially going to gigs as an old man and looking at some of these bands on stage like, really? Are you kidding me, son? Mm. That's a show? <laughs> and I time everything, you know? And I hit the stopwatch and like, set an encore 50 minutes and you're the headliner? Mm. You don't even have a time restraint. It's only 11. Yeah. And that's all you want to play? Yeah. I saw Metallica. They were that way, too. They played for like two hours or something. They, they just had that old school well, work ethic. Yeah, and also maybe they – I don't know their music very well, but maybe they enjoy being out there. Yeah. I don't think – I think they literally played to – a percentage of the crowd was like wrap it up, and they were like, no. <laughs> right. And it, if you've been around the tracks as many times as they have, you can say, no, we're going to yeah. play more. Bite me. Yeah. And I, I think that's why Mick Keith and company get out on stage. It's not for money. And they just, they, I guess they like to rock and roll and they don't mind singing 40 year old songs. Right. I do. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. I'll go to the gig and watch you do it. I'll play that record and I'll wear it out. I've had records I've been playing since high school I still listen to. Mm -hmm. But I don't, for myself, I don't want to be the yesterday guy with a job. I'd rather be the today and tomorrow guy without one going, oh no. Yeah, clearly. Now I have to get way more interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd rather have that challenge. You're setting your, I was going to say, you're setting yourself up with challenges. Yeah. Like new levels of the game to play. Yeah. Keeps you really fresh. I was wondering if performing, because this is, uh, I often project myself onto others, so feel free to decline this projection. Can I have one of those? Of course you may. Oh, and nice. I also brought you this chocolate if you'd like some. Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. <laughs> it's uh, vegan, in case you care. Um, <laughs> you just throw I'm it away. Kidding. It's really good. It's really good. I wouldn't bring you bad chocolate. Oh, I was hoping for some beef dipped chocolate. <laughs> Things died for that. It just wasn't a cow. They killed a couple cats making that. Why did I say that? People are upset now. Um, what I was going to wonder is, what I am wondering is, when you perform uh, as a guy who runs on the appropriate level of anxiety, so I'm hmm. not labeling you as an anxious person in that debilitating level. I will. <laughs> Go ahead. But I'm also a person that runs on anxiety. I wake up without an alarm. I don't drink coffee. I don't need it. I'm freaking out. You know wow. what I mean? So I need, I need both. Go ahead. <laughs> but when you're on stage, is that one of the hacks that puts you in the moment? Because when we're being anxious, we're not being in the moment. We're thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. Like when you open, you talk about you're thinking about your whole year. That's anxiety. Yep. So when you're performing, I have to imagine you're just thinking about uh, whatever it is, if it's spoken word or comedy or, or when it was music, yep. whatever you're doing, acting, does that put you in the moment? When I'm on stage, I have never felt more at home, more at ease, and more like I am 
the right fish in the right pool of water. Yeah. Even when I was doing school plays in eighth grade or at summer camp doing skits, yeah, crowd of people, I'm like, oh, we're all my little campmates. Like, oh, my God, my mom's here. I'm freaking out. I'm like, really? Let's just go out there and really give it to them. Yeah. Like, let's, let's do a great show. Yeah. And I have this insane, like a lot of people, I have this crazy love affair with my audience. I love these people. They've been showing up for 30-some years. Mm-hmm. They take me. You know what I mean? They just like, they'll put up with me. I don't know how or why. <laughs> this is why when they write me, I write them back. Mm-hmm. After the show, I meet every single one until they all leave, mm-hmm. which takes up to 90 plus minutes. Mm-hmm. Because it's worth it. You can't just do the show and then split. It's like saying, oh, it was almost real. But, you know, like, there's the show, but not really because I'm out of here. Right. So I meet everyone. I hear every single story. I do every photo. And I'm making it sound like it's a lot of work, but it's just hard at the end of a night. When Henry, you're uh, I do tired. the same thing, and I, it, it, can, it can kill you sometimes. Yeah. It's my favorite thing in the world, but sometimes when, you, when you're halfway through, you're kind of like, this is just, like, objectively exhausting. It's not like I'm exhausted. Oh, it fa- just is exhausting. I have fallen asleep on my feet in front of people. <laughs> Literally, like, I dozed <laughs> off in front of a guy in ice-cold Madison, Wisconsin weather in front of the Barrymore Theater a couple of tours ago. And I kind of went... Whoa! I fell asleep in drizzle yeah. in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, like two years ago. <laughs> Post show, like in the middle of someone's telling me something, and like he lulled me in. Because I, I think I just flew in. I had to get up at four to go to the next show. So I'm living in hotels, doing like you know three or four shows, mm-hmm. just kind of hotel and airport hopping, which. A week of that'll kill you. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of in like day three or four of that, and just kind of. On fumes, basically. Yeah. And I fell asleep in the rain, and a security guy came over and like whacked me on the arm. I'm like, hey, man, you can go in now. I'm like, oh, they've all gone. I was like, had fallen asleep on my feet. Oh, my And some gosh. burly dude woke me up, said, come on in. That's got to feel, on a certain level, though, that has to feel good because you want to give what you've got. Well, that's what the audience is owed. As David Lee Roth once said to me many years ago, he Hi, said, I'm David uh, Lee Roth. Well, I, I, <laughs> That's your quote. I, I've actually known the guy 100 years for many, many years. But um, he yeah. said, every time someone buys a ticket to your show, that's a contract they have with you. And I was like, wow, hmm. I'm holding on to that one. Like, like when Creed got sued for doing a bad show. Do you remember that? No. They got like Creed? Fan, yeah, Creed was drunk. I, 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 I drove two traffic lights from my place to get here. I climbed stairs. Yeah. And you, you, you make me – you're giving Talk me about Creed. Creed facts? Yeah, because you're going to – I guarantee you're going to quote this Creed fact later. Because the audience sued the, sh- the band. Wow. Because they were drunk and they played for like 40 minutes and it was bad. Oh. So it was off key and stuff. So they were saying, no, this is a contract and you, you violated wow, it. Wow, that's interesting. See? They're good Creed facts. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> I, I never thought I'd hear that. I, I appreciate your skepticism, but there it was. But I, uh, you think you th- it's a contract, and the audience deserves the show. Yes, and and thankfully, I'm one of those people. We performer types will pay to do it for them. Yeah, like if someone said you can have a night off or you can pay 150 bucks and be on stage tonight for an hour, like oh here, take the money. Yeah. When do I start? Yeah. Like 8 p.m. I'll be there because you're getting a lot out of it. Oh, when I, someone comes up and says, I get way more out of it than the audience says. I'm sure. I was gonna say there's a it's a symbiotic relationship. They come up and say you changed my life. You helped me in X, Y, and Z, and you say me too. Yeah. Right? No, you gave me a life. 
Yeah. I mean, without them, I'm the tree that falls in the forest unheard and unwitnessed. Yeah. And that's why whenever I do the radio show, I say, thanks for listening. Uh, otherwise, it's just me and, and the engineer whacking together a bunch of cool songs and like right. playing them to no one. Right. So it, it's just silence if no one hears it. And so thanks for tuning in. You, The music is the star of the show, but you all make it real. Yeah. And so the audience validates me. And that's why when I'm out there, I'm like a dog with his tail wagging. Right. I, I want to be on stage. Right. I bring a stopwatch on stage with me so I don't go over three hours. Because hmm. I don't want to like, – because you see people in their seats and like, you realize their asses are going numb. Yeah. And I'm like, oh – are, have I gone? And people, a few people, like we have a babysitter. I'm like, I'm so yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. land the jumbo jet. Yeah. conversation. Right. Uh, I'm taxiing uh, for for right, right, right. For, yeah, I've you've radioed. begun your descent. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're passing over Phoenix. Yeah, and because I'll keep them there. Right. I'd belt them into their seats if I could. So on that's some nights. <laughs> so that's your work ethic, and I understand that. I, I like it. You know, Where's the compulsion, though? Not to be too obvious here, but I like talking about, not in a trite way, I like talking about what we get out of performing and why it's wired in us. You know what I mean? Like, I like being listened to. Mm-hmm. I like being adored. And if you, I can trace I like that, all that, too. I can trace that back to my youth a little bit. Do you, do you remember? And, and, where, the, and the rottenness of it, right? And the, the rottenness of yeah, it. There, yeah, there's some bad parts. In its own way, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you're, well, I'm not, I can't tell you what you're doing. You might be <laughs> coping. You might be filling that which was you felt empty later. You are equalizing. Maybe you're trying to get level. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of performer types, I'll definitely throw myself under that umbrella. Childhood, like, you know, that's a generic statement. Bad childhood. Like, everyone who just drove by this building has had, had a bad, bad childhood. Yeah, yeah, come on. So I'm not looking for sympathy. But yeah, yeah I, I, I had is, one. Your shit is your shit. Right, and everyone has has a version of that. Yeah. All families are weird. Yeah. And there's not one family that's not so twisted. Right. Anyway, I had one of those classic American upbringings. Right. Parents divorced on like day one. Young, right? It's, yeah. I don't remember them being together. And which is, you know, so generic in this country. And for me, I was like the the spastic kid who wouldn't go to bed when mom had dinner guests over. <laughs> I'll sing another song. Get him. Like, in footy pajamas? I, I, Iris, like, stab him. Get him out of here. You have a tiny stopwatch to make sure you don't go over 90 minutes. That was your three hours back then. Right. <laughs> but it, it was never a problem trying to be loud and noticed. Yeah. And it must be some kind of me, me, me thing. And what gets me Only out child? the Yes. Yeah. What gets me out the door and down the trail to work at the rate and kind of the metabolism at which I do, some of the aspects are enviable mm-hmm. and some of them are perhaps not, but they're all real. And the enviable ones would be, you don't want to communicate. I, I want to impact you, you, the audience member. I want to go out into the world, come back with a great story, and I want to lay it on you. I want to tell you this story. I want to see you laugh. Mm-hmm. I, I want to have you enjoy this night. I want to be responsible for the next two and a half hours being really good mm-hmm. and adding to your life. Mm-hmm. And when someone says, hey, man, because of you, I got off booze or whatever. You're like, man, that's that's it. That's all I needed to hear. I could quit now. And if I help this one guy, man, we are good to go. Yeah. And that's 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 a wonderful thing. I also do things at the rate and the velocity and the intensity at which I do because I'm very, very angry. And I'm looking to outdo my parents 
every classmate in high school, anyone I've ever been in a band with, and maybe anyone I've ever met. Like a competition. Brutal. <laughs> and I, and I, don't, I don't care what teeth get torn out of my head or what I have to do. Yeah. And I saw an interview of all people, Iggy Pop, and he said, they said, why do you do what you do? He said, vengeance. Yeah. And I just want to outdo everyone. And I went, and the guy went, wow, that's intense. And I went, no, man, that right, uh, that came you right into it. the mitt. Boom. Yeah. I totally get it. I've talked about that before, the, the, the need of, you want to have a, a good uh, sensei, you want to have a good teacher in your life, but you also want to have a good nemesis. Oh, I love adversity. <laughs> I, I search it out. No, even if it's exhaustion, like this yeah. show I, I did last year for five and a half months for History Channel 2. Great show. Mm. That was a six-day shoot week. We're going to bed at like nine or ten, getting up at four, where you're like, you wake up like, really? And the lights are on, your food's half eaten, mm. there's like four pages of Xerox history notes on your chest because you fell asleep while reading. At least you were seated. You know, but you know, that, that was our schedule. Yeah. And you have to wake up and go like, what am I pissed at today? The fact that I can't open my eyes. And you just have to get mad at your own exhaustion. That's so funny. And go out there like, let's do this. You know what I'll, I'll throw into the mix? Guilt. Like, fear that people don't like me will make me... I'll never be as funny as I am. If I thought I offended you next time I saw you, I would be so funny. Just the funniest guy in the world. Hmm. Like, that's another cheap fuel we can run the machine on. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily... You're more of an anger man. I don't necessarily <laughs> go with you on the cheapness of it. Yeah. In that if it's if it really moves you and it moves you to do something good, it's your fuel. Yeah. And I wouldn't put a value on it. I would just say if it works for you yeah. and you're not hurting anyone, yeah. that's where I draw a line. Like uh earlier when you and I were uh in the lounge, you brought up the uh the LA Weekly article concerning suicide. And I got a lot of mail about that. Of course you did. And I got a lot of a lot of pushback. I listened to you so, on Jay Moore and that's how I knew that you didn't title it that. Right. Yeah, And yeah, Jay's great. That was really fun. Yeah. He's a good dude. Anyway, I don't – I'm not sorry about what I said Yeah, in that I didn't say anyone should die. Quite the opposite. Like, please live. Yeah. (laughs) But people wrote me and said, man, I'm not exactly mad at you. I'm hurt. Mm. What you said hurt me. And then the next letter is like, you know, every expletive. And then you're like, okay, that just bounces off. But when someone writes in, that hurt me. And I've been digging you for 20 years, man. And that stopped me cold. And I don't know if I can go forward with you because that hurt. And I don't know what you meant by that, but I feel bad. And I am not interested in hurting anybody. Yeah. If I might make you mad by saying, hey, if Bill marries Tom, the world will be just fine. And you're some person who thinks men getting married is a bad idea then you and i have a wonderful disagreement i know i'm right about it and you can call me anything i'll just laugh in your face because you're a moron (laughs) but if i say something or do something that hurts someone unless i meant to hurt them (laughs) well there's some people that need to get hurt and uh, i can't name any off the top of my head but i'm sure they're out there but if you mean it and you're going for it then you'll, you'll do the time or whatever right but if you inadvertently do it I will go out of my way to make sure, if I can, I will apologize to you personally. Yeah. Even if I'm still going to kind of hold on my point, if I hurt you, I feel compelled to apologize. Yeah. And so I did two apologies and personally answered over 400 letters and just said, hey, I got it. I, I got it. And I'm, I'm really sorry. And some people wrote back 
and just said, I don't believe you. I think you're just, you know, so full of yourself. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just have to uh, carry that bruise. You yeah. don't believe me? All right. I I can't I can't write, make you I can't re- write you all week and say I really do because yeah. can't you know, be, because we're 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 grown up yeah. you know if you're an adult and that's how you read me that I'm we're done right and then I, I you, what did people think you meant what was the hurt that you caused because uh, I didn't read the article forgive me but I did hear about it well some people said you're being very insensitive. I had that article because I said you were going to be on the show and someone said, ask him about Robin Williams because he said that sort of coward's way out thing. Well, no, but, but I never – but I didn't. I, I No, I believe uh, you. In I, that, listening uh, to you on Jay. I never intimated it. Yeah. Because I don't think it's a cowardly act. I think it's a really desperate act where someone should grab you and go, let's go for a walk instead of you jumping off the bridge. How about yeah. we try that? Yeah. Coffee works in this situation. Yeah. Um, and I, I never said or implied the word coward or weak. Oh, yeah. well – I just asked a question. I said, help me here because I don't understand. I said that. I said, I don't understand. How can anyone leave their kids behind? And so I said, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And then I asked a question. Mm -hmm. Never did I say statement. That's a weak thing to do. I said, how the hell do you leave your kids and put these these innocent people through trauma? Well, they're adults. Okay. But they still have feelings. And they got to wonder, why did their dad do that? So I got a lot of letters saying, like, you were being insensitive. And then I got some very extreme letters that said, we need to remove the stigma from suicide. I was like, no, actually, we should enhance the stigma of suicide. So some young person who's getting ganged up on on Facebook doesn't think, you know what? They All these people say I'm ugly, so I better kill myself. Like, I'm sure it guts you when you see that headline of, like, some 14-year-old kid hanged his or herself in their room because everyone got on some page and said, I don't even know how Facebook yeah, works. No, I understand. But they did something where this young person couldn't see any way out other than to kill them. So you're like, really? Take a year of, you know, like, let's all pool days and years and bring this kid back here. Take a year of my life. And like, come back. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather not blame any. Like, where's the parents? I don't know, working for a living? Like, working one and a half jobs, maybe? Like, mm-hmm. oh, the parents were, were in traffic. Yeah, because you have an economy where people have to work and then work their other job just to keep the same plate of food that they were working. For one job. With. Yeah. And, and so where are the parents? The parents are trying to keep the house from going sideways or upside down. <clears throat> and so... I'm so the, I'm you the think ant- if, if there's anything keeping people from suicide, even if it is a stigma, that's probably an okay thing. Yeah. Because uh, I think it's an incredibly bad idea <laughs> in that I, I think yeah. the world is better off with you in it. Right. And so I also got you – know, and I read the letters. And I got a letter. The guy said, Henry, I have fibromyalgia. My entire waking existence is howling pain. I asked my doctor – what do I do? He said, well, the cure for this is basically suicide. And if you'd like to have that discussion, I will, I will have that with you because this isn't getting better. So he said, Henry, am I weak for wanting to leave? And I wrote him, I said, I, I never said anyone was weak for killing themselves. Can you imagine having to get the bottle, to get the spine, to jump off a building? Mm. That's not cowardly behavior. Mm-hmm. I think it's sad, but it's not cowardly, right. nor is it weak. It's just, I think, misguided in that you shouldn't jump off and the building. It's, it's misguided just and so tragic. sad. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the guy said, so, Henry. What did you say? Uh, 
I either spend my day in a, in a drugged up stupor in pain or in a non-drugged up stupor in more pain than you. You have no idea what pain is. Right. And my doctor says a cure is to leave. So what would you write about me in the LA Weekly article? And I wrote him back. I said, damn, man, I'm really sorry. I got nothing on that. That's – and so yeah. it made me see that one cannot take any issue that is so sensitive and broad brush it, which I may have. And it was not an attempt to be callous or coarse or mean-spirited. Truly, not at all. It's just when you – a buddy of mine hanged himself in another buddy of mine's basement. A few years ago, I was in Tibet when it happened. I got this email from a pal of mine. This guy, guy I've known since high school, great guy, kids. I mean, just mm. really good guy. And, you know, kids, people, a lot of us who really love the guy. And he, he did this and my friend's brother had to like walk in on that and go, oh, oh, no. And so I went to the place. I said, I want to see where this happened. And there's still the, the rubber from the, from the extension cord that he hanged himself with it, you know, they, they cut him down. Yeah. And you can still see the, the, the cut rubber on the floor. You're like, mm. damn, this is, this is like the saddest damn thing ever. Right. And so I, the pain of that, I think about that guy all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I've known him since I was like, I don't know, 17. Mm-hmm. And I uh, always admired him because he could build stuff. He's good with his hands. He's just like, you know, like, oh, I can fix that. I'm like, really? I can't, I can't fix anything mm-hmm. but a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would never try to be mean-spirited about something You've so sensitive. you had personal experience with it. Well, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people around me have checked out. And it's just it, you, they stay with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you still keep thinking about them. And so I was never trying to be hurtful. But the fact is, I did hurt some people. And for that, I can't apologize enough. And so I apologized as clearly and as completely as I could. But what is to be said of intention? Because that wasn't your intention. My intention was my outrage. Yeah. That someone would not take a look around and and just go, wow, whoa, if I go, a lot of people get hurt. And... Isn't that a clear-headed thought, though? I mean, you you well, know that uh, is, and that comprises the letters that I received that made the most sense to me. Where right. I went, oh, got it, and and people were so nice to me. They go, Henry, I was very offended by what you wrote, but I like you enough to realize you didn't mean any harm. So I'm gonna take forty five minutes and write you this incredibly long letter. And right. I was getting like these epic letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read them, and. A few people said, think of it as temporary insanity. Mm-hmm. Me, with three failed attempts, Henry, when I was do- trying to kill myself, this I thought- This is you. No, 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 no. Oh. These are the people writing I'm me. I'm sorry. They said, I tried it twice. I failed, obviously. And, but at the time, I thought I was doing my family a favor, the world a favor, mm. all my friends who suffered my misery a favor. Mm. So think of it as temporary insanity. And I said, okay. That I can get because the idea is so irrational. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's just a moment where if you could get to that guy the next day and go like, you know, you killed yourself yesterday. Get out of here. I did. Right. I must have been crazy for that 45 minutes you were. Right. And so I get it. 
Well, because despair is right there. I mean, I, I'm an optimistic guy. It happens to just be genetic. I, I feel like I don't deserve credit for being optimistic. It's just who I am. But I can also see someone like my friend TJ. He's a bit of a nihilist. So he says, why is a long life more valuable than a short life? Like, that's just like the type of questions he poses, which is very challenging. So he's like... I don't know. I got I got two words for that, and I, I what's can that? neutralize. More pizza. <laughs> I mean... There you go. There you go. I'm glad I asked. Because because that's that type of despair, that sort of existential despair where you're like, what's the point? I'm going to die. You're saying, do it for the kids. Your kids are also going to die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't stop. I can, dig all, I can dig all that. You can stop it. But you can't stop it at all. Life is what you make it. And do you believe that when you said you're in Tibet? I, I wonder how much you believe you're constructing your own reality. Are you are you feeling that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think of these crazy trips, and I call this uh, very rare travel agent. I said, Pyongyang, can you do it? And she goes, Yeah, Pyongyang, yeah, I did that. Pyong, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, you just went there recreationally. Yeah, I went there with a, with a guitar and some weed, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was there a few years ago for about a week in Pyongyang and the surrounding areas. Yeah, and it took three years to get that visa. I just had to find the right travel agent. But I come up with these ideas on paper. I go, okay. I look at, I get out my GIF of the the world map. I go, okay, look at this region, and I'll go that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one, and I sketch it all out. I look up the seasons. Rainy season can't go to New Guinea at that time of the year. So I'll go over here, and I call this very extraordinary travel agent who actually comes out of retirement to book my trips because she just goes, wow, this is awesome. I'll do this. Wow. And I, I, all of a sudden, I'm walking down that street in Bangladesh because mm. I booked it, and I wanted to go, and there I am. And I'm not saying um, Henry Rollins, the all-powerful – is this it? I'm Johnny Quest Jr. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm the other Indiana Jones. I want to do stuff. I grew up with National Geographic magazine. Yeah. Where you're like, wow, the pyramids? I want to see those. Yeah. Well, then save your money, get the visa, get the plane ticket. I've been to those pyramids like three times. Surprisingly close to the highway. Well, and that the, the, the Giza pyramid highway that gets you yeah. from the hotels right to the pyramid. Yeah. Well, they know how their bread is butter. Yeah, they sure it, do. It's, it's their economy. But yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of... Well, we could, we could write that. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I just try and create my own ticket yeah. as often as possible. Obviously, it's not always possible, but whenever possible, I try and do it my, 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 my way. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to do it somebody's way. It, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is this, is this kind of where the anger is? Like liberty? Are you a big liberty guy? No. In no? I, I, I don't... I, I get harangued by people, you and and Barbara Streisand and and uh, Jane Fonda, like like we are joined at the hips. I do not know these people. Yeah. Apparently, I'm part of this Hollywood liberal elite, a guy who lives at home alone, who microwaves dinner out of a can. I'm part of this liberal elite. I am Hollywood oh, all I, the way. I didn't even mean liberal necessarily. I just meant like nobody tells you what to do. Well, no, people Your tell me, personal liberty. People tell me what to do all the time. They write me a letter and I write them back. Yeah. Henry, I really want you to get, write me back. All right, kid in the Midwest, I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to write you back. Yeah. I'm doing what Sheldon in Minnetonka wants me to do, <laughs> gladly. But I, 
hey, would you would you do this? Yes. Would you do this benefit show if I can? Yeah. Yeah. And so I do stuff for other people all the time and quite enjoy it, actually. Uh, But uh, to get to your point, I get these letters like big government and you're part of it. I'm like, really? I I'd like to slim down the government, probably not in the areas you'd like to. And I'd like to maintain the government in places where you'd probably like to either reduce it or annihilate it, EPA, etc. I don't – I can't find where the government is bumming my high. That's my problem, I guess. Maybe I don't – I haven't listened to um, Alex Jones enough Mm -hmm. in that – in my day-to-day, coming and going as I do, I haven't felt the big government clamp down keeping me from – I can't find it. Yeah. And and it might be there, and maybe I'm just too hopey, changey, and rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. And kumbaya to see it, but I feel pretty damn free. So I'm not one of those going, the tyranny! Right. So I just don't see it. Right. That's funny. I remember I was in a punk band when I was young, and we tried to write – we remember being like, oh, punk is supposed to be political, but we had no political feelings whatsoever. So yeah, we yeah. just wrote a song called Hey, Mr. President, and it was about how – the government didn't seem to affect us at all. That was all we could think of. But if you're being honest, that's part you, of the thing. You would love that song. Well, I hope so. <laughs> but my politics were, were framed by how I was raised, you know, in Washington, D.C. in the 60s, which was really intense. Yeah. Having a mother who worked downtown for the government. Yeah. And was involved in, you know, elections and stuff like that. And, you know, was kind of a player to a degree in that world. She knew, you know, political people and went to all those rallies and stuff and marched in all the, the war protest marches. And mm. we'd go see Pete Seeger and rock gently from side to side and sing Michael Row Your Boat Ashore. I did that stuff with my mom when I was like yeah. a, a tiny young person. Yeah. And, and being called Cracker and Bama and being beaten up upon because you were white, as I was when I was a little kid, was really politicizing. It didn't make me want to return the favor and be a racist back. Quite the opposite, actually. It made me highly sensitive to racial issues. Like, let's not perpetuate that. And so that and coming out to California and meeting the LAPD up close and personal, like cops coming up to me knowing who I was and saying a lot of things to me with a lot of expletives. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, cops would come up like, hey, we... we hate your band and we will you up (laughs) oh yeah 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 like really this can't be in line with the law did you write fuck the police (laughs) uh i lived it and and so because they used to come to shows and stuff and plain clothes in uniform yeah and and, and, and and do some really illegal stuff so what did you write what are cops hinging on when they when they didn't like i'm assuming it was black flag yeah yeah um what are they hanging their hat on? Oh, that... It's not like you guys stormed police stations. Punk rock violence, which was quite often the violence perpetrated by cops at shows. Yeah. Like the, the, the girls they hit in the head. Yeah. Um, the people who they sent, they hospitalized. The people whose uh, hands and, and fingers they broke as they protected themselves from a billy club coming down on, on them. I mean, yeah. th- this happened. And so that politicized me. And and so my politics come from that, but I don't feel the government is trying to ruin my life. I think of more finally, more finely focused issues. Like if you want to put a stupid pipeline of tar sand across America that can break at any point just to facilitate the sales for a bunch of Canadians, 
can we talk about this? Hmm. Or does it have to go right through? And so I look at the common sense angles of things. I try to do my best, and I don't know politically where that puts me. I'm kind of in the, if Johnny knew how to read Gooder at an earlier age, he might not rob a liquor store. Yeah. And if you had more literacy, more school, and more investment in young people, you might be able to empty prisons in 100 years. And, you know, that that's where I come from. And whatever that makes me politically, mm. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty, pretty evenly balanced. But I'm not one of those people who uh, thinks that my freedom is being infringed upon. But so it, I have to live a life of... My freedom. I just want to do cool stuff before my knees are too sore to get me up and down the stairs. I was going to say, in terms of personal liberty, you being a free person, uh, not married. Right. Never married. No. No kids. No, no inclination. Yeah. And maybe that's... Tell me about that. I have no interest. Like kids, I'm Uncle Henry to a bunch of kids. My my friends I grew up with in Washington, D.C., they all became parents and married incredible people and have these gorgeous, smart brainiac kids and whenever i see them uncle henry and yeah i kind of understand children through them from like one to five it's a love fest henry big hug they get to 11 you're like oh hey they're flicking lit cigarettes yeah you're like wow yeah like what a drag we used to have so much fun and now you're too cool yeah (laughs) anyway you're like i was in black flag motherfucker (laughs) i i I used to send you music yeah anyway um come on that's cool it doesn't matter what you do though but what about a wife i I, I sent i sent this one what is he 12 now i sent him the the new the new ty siegel record Mm. And, and i i have to like write him on his email address like did you get the record I sent you? And yeah. That's what I feel like the 80-year-old yeah. young man. Yeah. You must say thank you. He wrote back, yeah, I played. It was pretty cool. I'm like, it's Ty Siegel. He's really good. And, and you're supposed and, to say thank you. And, and you're supposed <laughs> to say thank you. Yeah. But he's 11 I, or 12. He's going through. He's doing his thing. I can understand fuck kids uh, easier than I can uh, not have having a partner. Oh, well. Um, the, and, and don't take this the wrong way. In that, I, I, I'm not trying to offend at all. In Who that, me? I think marriage is a wonderful institution for those who want it. I've been to weddings. I've been to like five or six of them in my life. I've cried every single time because mm-hmm. I know one of at least one of the people who is getting married. Mm-hmm. And I, I love those moments because I want, like everyone else, at the day of a marriage, when you're watching two people get married, especially if you know one or two of them, mm-hmm. you want nothing more in your life at that moment than for them to be deliriously happy for the rest of their lives right. and for it never to fail. Like, don't cheat on each other. Don't hit each other. Be nice to the kids when they come out. Like, right. make this be like a perfect... Well, that's ple- the whole idea, the, the witnessing of the marriage yeah. with the well, friends I, and family. Yeah. You really are rooting for them from yeah. the sidelines. Like, make this be like the one that gets pointed to as like the example. Right. And then, you know, humans are dynamic creatures. It doesn't always work out. Right. I've never wanted that for myself. So I love the institution to a certain degree. I don't necessarily understand the treachery of the prenuptial agreement. Uh, But never have I wanted to come home to somebody waiting for me or to check in with someone on a regular basis. Mm. And the older I got... The the stronger to have nothing, no closeness like that in my life, and at this point, I the people I deal with the most day to day, I pay either a salary to, a commission to, or a percentage of my action. Accountants, attorneys, staff, 
Yeah. Uh, Managers. And and actually, I don't have one. But there's people I, you know, yeah. the agent, he gets you a gig, he gets his cut of the, the, the pie. That's how that works. Everyone right. wins. Right. Those are my mainly my relationships. And these people work very hard to keep the road clear for me and to keep me overworked you bringing that up though in the relationship realm i wonder if you're one of your problems with a wife or a serious girlfriend partner is that you're you don't have dominion over them because you're not paying them because any of those people i don't want dominion i don't want control the, but any of those people you could say fuck yourself because you are paying them i, I would appreciate monogamy yeah uh that would be a deal breaker yeah <laughs> if she said it's, it's you and the drummer i'd have to go well yeah in my opinion, you've already made your choice. Yeah, and for the drummer. I'm out of here. But <laughs> beyond that, I for the for many many years, I've liked my passport and my my wild ideas of I want to go there more than hey, I'll be home at eight, and should I bring something to right? And what about sex? Sex is great, and I was very fortunate to. Uh, have a lot of it. Have a lot of it. Yeah. And now I don't have nowhere near the amount I used to during the Reagan administration. <laughs> Back when my hair was dark and thick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not – at this point, like I said several minutes ago, at, at some point I transitioned from physicality – to intellect, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm an intellectual, but at this point, for me, what impresses me, what I want to do, I'm only impressed by what I can think and what I can do, not how much I can lift or how great I look in Speedos. Mm -hmm. I want to do stuff, and I, I keep fit because that's just kind of part of my, my life is going to the gym. I, it's a place, it's, it's a, a happy habit. place to yeah. go. Um, but I'm not trying to like okay i'm gonna train and be able to lift this by spring that's just how you you rip your shoulder out, yeah. out of your body and never use it again at this point i'm trying to see what i can do how far i can push myself to where like oh i thought that was where i quit and go home i realize i can do six more hours right but and, if i'm watching the story of you with your passport and your big ideas right let, let's write the the movie of this yeah it's you going to istanbul it's you going to bangladesh and all those yeah. sorts of places and you're going to be meeting women and having sex no in those places no <laughs> I, <laughs> no I, when i travel i'm really mission specific what do you mean I'm there to get photographs, interview people, yeah. hit the sites, and spend unbelievable amounts of time just walking the streets. I don't necessarily mean horn it up, like one night stands or whatever you want to call it. I, I just mean like maybe it's my, my American storytelling thing where it's like where in the story are the people that you're, that you're sharing these moments with? The audience. Yeah. That's why I put out the books, the LA Weekly article. I serialize these trips in the LA Weekly. I blab about it on the radio show. Right. I go on stage and go, okay – when I was in Tehran, boom, 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 boom. Right. And, I, that's, and, and so I can always be on stage with a good, healthy broth of – I was in Islamabad, Pakistan when Benazir Bhutto was assassinated, which I was. And I said, here's what the smoke smelled like. And <laughs> here's yeah. what this thing looked like while it was burning. And people were like, whoa. I'm like, yeah. Right. And that's why I just charged you 20 bucks to come into this theater and listen to this because right. I think I got something that – is worth hearing. And then do you take the money you make from that gig and, and take a lady to TGI Fridays? 
Uh, no. <laughs> I, I buy gear and music socket. stuff. No, no, camera gear, travel gear, sound. You know, you're like so. It's a little bit monkish, and I don't say that with any judgment. You're you're kind of like kung fu. Yeah, I live alone. Like Christmas holiday, the phone rang once. It was that guy. You probably talked to him from Nano Greens. You know, the vegetable powder you put in water? Sure. Yeah, the nano greens calls you. Hey, you know, we do, do direct mail order. I go, no, you, you called me six weeks ago, and I appreciate it, but I still got about half of one and two-thirds of the other. They make nano greens and nano reds. You put it in water, you get your fruits and your vegetables. I'm familiar. But they, they call you at your office, and they let you know that they got that mail order thing going. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. So guys. Christmas, we're just talking to nano greens. Green and red for Christmas. Nano green man called December 27th or something. I was like, oh. Yeah. Beyond that, the phone didn't ring. Who hurt you? And Henry? my my conversations were with the nice ladies and guys over at the Starbucks in in uh, um, uh, Burbank. Yeah, where I say I'll take a tall. I know that Starbucks. A t- tall coffee with no room for milk. Yeah, and I sit in there and write for like four hours. Sure. And that's what was your last major relationship? Did this person fuck it up for you? No, I, I I do that for me. You fuck it up for you. Yeah. And is that does that go back to your fear of not wanting to hurt somebody? Is it so excruciating the idea that when trusted with their heart that you might hurt them that you'd rather go to Islamabad? Well, that's the problem. A few months into some nice relationship when the OCD of the thing wears off and now you're just really two adults in a room, <laughs> I realize that I would rather be on my own. Hmm. And... When you're a boy and you're going out with girls, when you're young and the person that you're interested in is young, I think you're allowed to be a jerk. The girl can make hurt the guy's feelings. The guy can be a, a total drag because you're young and you don't know. Hmm. But when you're grown up, and I don't know what year that is, but when you become an adult and you are dating and voulez-vouing with other adults, no matter what bolt of cloth you're cut from, I think one must be hyper-honest. And not to in any way put that other person through pain if you can at all avoid it. And if you can't bring minimum 50% to that relationship, if you're bringing in 48, screw you, Mm. that you're taking a person who works, a professional person in the world and making them bring 52% to it, that's not adult, that's not cool, that's not strong, and that's not what I want to do to anybody. So if I can't be awesome at that, and be, wow, this is where I want to be all the time. I shouldn't be playing like, hey, I'm, what about- I'm really into this. But you know what? You know, I'm not. And now we have all this real analog history, which we've developed over uh, several months or weeks. Yeah. And guess what? I'm going to put it in my stagecoach and I'm going down the road. Cheer up. Don't scowl. You'll feel better later. I don't want to be that person to anybody at all isn't that the risk though and then isn't there another side where let's say it does still end but you get 10 good years out of it yeah but for me i get like like four and a half weeks out of it and then i'm like wow i really am a loner yeah and it took me many decades to figure out yeah you you, you're you're grown up in that you start to find out who you are and what you like Hmm. so your your buddies called hey we're gonna go out and do this you're like you know what I never liked doing that. Yeah. And I no longer feel the peer pressure of having to do it with you guys. Right. So call me on Monday. Right. Well, what are you going to do? What I like to do. <laughs> Which is? Well, whatever. I'm just saying you start to 
find out who you are. Because I'm with you. I, I wrote down, I forget what we were talking about. I wrote down how at parties. I was like, I'm not a party guy. I don't like going to parties. I was just I go to one a year. Is that which one? Uh, I go the to, Nano Greens? No. <laughs> I go to a birthday party that goes on on New Year's Day because that's the person's birthday. Mm. I've gone for, I don't know, four or five years because I was invited. And I like the family. And the guests are very, very friendly to me. But the day before I go, I am nothing but nerves and completely distracted. New Year's Eve. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, wow, I got to go and be with people in a room and not be too much of a psychotic. Mm. I don't have you know episodes where I burst out and scream and, and jump up on the table and take my clothes off. I just find a corner to sit there and go like, okay, hold on to the V8 juice until it's all over. And people come over. Are you Henry? Yeah. Like, well, walk, get up and walk over to the cake. No, I'll just sit here. I, I'll, I've, I've become the what is the, the fear? The ninth grader at the at the dance. What does it feel like? Are they draining you? Does it exhaust you? I feel I'm going to do everything wrong. So it's, it's and it feels so unnatural. And now and then, the when, fantasy is you'll hurt their feelings. No, I, I don't know. I, or I'll just say something really odd and have them go like, "Wow, are do you have a problem? Yeah, do you need to go get your medication?" Yeah. And there's probably a few things I should be on, but I find myself feeling fake in those settings where mm. someone comes over and talk to me. I go into entertainer mode and I'll tell you the story because I don't know what else to do with you walking up. Right. And when people do that hug air kiss thing, mm. I go rigid. I was on a movie set last year. I, I wrote the <laughs> screenplay for a film that got made. I, I kind of co-wrote it with the director creator uh -huh. and I had to be in it. So I had to fly to Europe for a few t a couple of times to go work on it over there and the writer creator's amazing amazing guy he's in town today and his wife is incredible and the kids are, are just fantastic it's a wonderful family and the wife you know henry hello and, and comes up and Ericus. gives me the and i and i just i, I pulled back and i said what and, and she went i'm going to hug and kiss you She's European, very patient. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay, okay. And I just put my arms down and kind of rigidly waited for this to be over. Right. As if she was peeing on you or something. I, and, it is, and it's nothing against her. I just don't know what you do in those situations. Right. And so I was at – and every once in a while, there's another family I know that has a Super Bowl party. Mm -hmm. And I – go to that and i've been to that like i don't know five or seven times and you know big screen big fun good food very nice people all industry types managers producers just mm -hmm. people that you know they're business people and they're all very very friendly and i find uh, some drink you know some non-alcoholic drink and plant myself somewhere and just kind of check it out and then i go back to my car and leave i always go because yeah. i'm so amazed that i was invited and whenever i the, that that birthday party i went to i thank members of the family like three times each yeah. and then email them a thank you when i get home yeah just because i can't believe anyone invited me anywhere so it's hard to say no because i don't want to hurt their feelings but once i get to those places i'm like oh no you got to get out of there i just don't know what to do here's a, here's something i ask myself sometimes ready we're gonna play a game 
what if there's a place where there's like souls in a waiting room, right? And for recreation, they can uh, inhabit somebody else's body just for 24 hours, right? So one of these souls chooses to be – I want to be Henry, Henry Rollins when he's 53 years old okay. in 2015. Can you imagine what they would do? I'm not saying even with fame. I'm just talking about somebody with your life experience, with your memories, with your uh, personality, with your charisma, like what that person would do at a party. It's almost like the movie 18 again. I understand. You know, no, they, I mean? they might act out or whatever. I just mean – Where they think, well, he's probably the life of the party. Yes, but like what could you do? Because I hear some fear being played. You know, we, Social anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And if we could get rid of that – and I'm talking to myself when I say this. If we could choose love over fear and, and just go to the party – and somehow dissolve that. So I'm saying if it's somebody else, they could go to that party and probably have a pretty good time sure. and enjoy being you. Are we wasting ourselves on us? Good. That's a good question. I try not to be too self-obsessed and self-absorbed. <laughs> it kind of comes with the territory in this line of work. It sure does. Um, I think I am probably in need of the idea of it's okay to relax and enjoy I feel in a way, and this is like me being an 11-year-old, I feel it's kind of a cop-out. To what? Enjoy. To enjoy? T- too much enjoyment. I, <laughs> I don't trust it. I just feel like I'm turning my back on an axe that's coming like a blade. You're taking your eye off the crocodile. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like too much enjoyment is going to make you a dull boy. Oh and I'm not God. saying I'm, I go home and beat myself with a stick. Yeah. I... Too much enjoyment. Like, okay, that's that was a problem I had when you'd get the girlfriend. All of a sudden, my work rate drops because it's Tuesday night. I'm not writing 2,000 words, which I usually would be doing in the evening on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'm out with a, with a nice woman, and get, we're at dinner, and we're laughing, and she's wonderful, and I feel like a million bucks. And, oh, no, I'm on deadline, and I didn't get my thing done because I'm not doing my rigid. And all of a sudden, that life I've been doing, all of a sudden, I'm now serving two masters. Mm. I'm, you know, trying to be a guy with this wonderful gal. And I also have all this stuff I've obligated myself to. And sadly, the work always wins. And I say sadly because you end up hurting someone's feelings. Well, doesn't this seem like a a 17th century sort of uh, folk story where, like, this is the moment where some ghosts are going to visit you and say, Henry, decline the LA Weekly article. Go out with Veronica. She was good for you. And, like, find a way to balance it. I'm talking about – I'm talking higher self shit. I'm not saying who we are. My friend John Mulaney, when I said I had never been single, I was divorced, I got divorced. I was 28 years old. And I go, what's it like being single? And he goes, you get a lot of work done. That's what he said. Yeah. So I hear that. Yeah. Everything you're saying completely computes with a, with a brain. I'm just trying to nudge a little bit of the heart in there. Yeah. And not just romantic. Just, like, a little bit of that soul instinct. Well, I give all of that to the audience. What if we want you to have a little bit for yourself? I have plenty. <laughs> In that enjoyment, for me, like the, the most supreme joy I have ever experienced, and it has never failed. Yeah. Just sitting in front of the stereo and putting a record on. That is like the best damn thing. When you have r- music on, I was writing this in my journal last night, sitting in front of my speakers. Mm. What was on? Oh, Laurel Meets the Obsolete. You ever heard of them? No. Whoo! <laughs> they're from uh, where are they from Argentina or something they're magic guy and a gal they make this incredibly cool beautiful what's it called again uh, Laurel Meets the Obsolete okay. I was listening to their album uh, called Corruptible Faces which is just an exquisite record mm. what, what kind of music is it just kind of velvet undergroundy noisy reverby yeah 
kind of everything sounds a little distant mic'd, yeah. kind of dreamy. Really beautiful. Vocals? Yeah, yeah. She sings, he sings, they both sing. Espanol? Uh, in English, as I can tell. Mm. And there's like, I don't know, like three or four albums, and every one of them is just fantastic. Anyway, yeah. I'm a huge fan. And Please. so I was listening to that record so last night. joy. You have bliss. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I was writing in my journal. I go, when I got music on, my normal dreary state, I can only sink so low because the music goes, nope, we got it. Like, nope, you can only go down to the four-foot mark in the pool. Mm. You can't hit the drain because you got rock and roll on, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. could be John Coltrane. It yeah, sure. doesn't matter. But if you got the music going, damn, there's really nothing that you can't get around. Yeah. And when I put a record on, I am in my little perfect spot. Like, over Christmas, I keep lists of everything I listen to. It's called The file's called Heard That. I, and I just write down every day. I keep the full, the file open, and I date it, and I put down what I listen to in the order I listen to it, and the medium, yeah. LP, CD, whatever. Just so I can keep track of yeah. if I'm am I listening to enough music, and I try and do three to ten records a day. The whole and things. I, yeah, and on the weekends, you know, I, I just cram it, and during the holiday, I just kind of go into like, I'm going to listen to this today. I pick out a stack of records. They're like, this is me. And I just put them on, and it's effortless. Yeah. I'm writing, I'm doing stuff, but I got the tunes on. And for me, that is such complete joy where and contentment. And it's just me alone in a room with a cup of tea or coffee with listening to, I don't know, name it, whatever is on. It's, right. That's it. And I don't need anything else. Like, man, if, if you just hit me with lightning right now, I would. I don't need anything. I'm yeah. good to go. You'd be happy, Ash. And so as far as, yeah, <laughs> I have plenty of enjoyment in my life. My question is... But it, it doesn't involve other people. Which is totally record. fine. I, I, can, I sit in a room and I'm fine. Yeah. Like during the Christmas holiday, I spent a month in these countries where you have to really watch what you say. Most internet sites are blocked. Mm. I mean, my own website was blocked was in, in Turkmenistan. Mm. That sounds like so a you spend a month kind of watching yourself. So all conversations you have are incredibly stilted. Then I come back here and I talk to nobody except the people at the Starbucks in Burbank. I answered email. Right. People wrote me, but I didn't have any conversations. And this is like I don't. It, there was never a moment of, I really wish whoever was here. Right. I just keep living. I don't even... And I'm not trying Rollins, to, In Defense of the Hermit. That's, well, that's your book. Yeah, but <laughs> and I'm not trying to... Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say I'm a tough guy or everyone sucks and I'm the only one I can hang no, out with. No, that's not what I'm hearing. I just... When I'm alone, it's a relief. I'm like, okay, here's a situation where even I can't screw it up. Because mm. with other people, they're, humans are dynamic creatures. It is easy to offend them, which I, I detest doing. It's easy to make them mad, and I don't really need some guy beating me up. Because at this point, any 17-year-old can kick my ass. That's one of the great humbling things about being my age. You really, like, hey, mister, what are you looking at? Nothing, sir. <laughs> Just let me go back to the park, to my car parked oh, in the Dunkin' Donuts God. parking lot. But anyway, <laughs> I... I Henry, I'm terrified. I can of be. You. In, I can, <laughs> I mean, I can, I like can be can in front all, of people. Easy. Yeah. Like put me in front of a crowd of twenty or twenty thousand. No problem. Yeah. Put me at a dinner table. I am acting. Well, that's that's Seinfeld. He, he points to his green room and he goes, "I'm comfortable on the stage. I have no idea what to say to these people." 
Yeah. I, I, I feel it. And I, I've actually hung out with people who are like that. You sit with them, you know, some rock stars I know who I'm big fans of, and we are pals, but we're both like that. Yeah. And we just both sit there like, yeah, oh, man, these chairs, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there is nothing. Right. Because we're both, we'd rather be in a room alone. Yeah. You're introverted. Yeah. But we, okay, so 100-year-old Henry, you make it to 100, no problem, comes back to you in a dream. You don't think he has any notes? Oh, coulda, shoulda, woulda? Or yeah. coulda, oh, well, I'm trying to eliminate I, as many of those as possible. I actually believe you because you're traveling, you're reading, you're absorbing, you're learning, you're growing, you're evolving, you're performing. I see a full life, you know, I, and there's no judgment here. Yeah. I'm just wondering, are we all being sold a bill of goods when it comes to, like, we all need to be, like, falling in love, having a family, uh, having amazing moments with some weird guy named Jeff? I think it's all down to the individual. I know some people, they couldn't wait to be married. They're fantastic couples, and the kids are amazing. And they really get off on being with each other. Right. You know, like I, I know couples, they have so much fun being together. You're like, wow, look at them. Like, that's – are you guys being real? And they're like, they, they can't stop laughing to tell you, yeah. And they really yeah. have a great time. And you're like, that is amazing. I, I don't the, understand it. those people. <laughs> well, no, I – you admire it. You're like, that. No, I understand. It looks like you're having a really good time. Yeah. Um, what about loneliness? Well, 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 hold on. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm going to write down loneliness. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'll, I just want to answer <laughs> I, your, I, I, just, I just want to answer your question. Please, I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's down to the individual. Yes. But I also think that in the West, you got to get married. You got to have a significant other. You have to breed. You have to do this, 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 and this. Unless you're gay, then you should just kill yourself and go into a corner that the homophobia comes in. Right. Real people should get married. <laughs> um, you other people, well, go back under your rock. Yeah. You know, and half of Congress leaves the building. <laughs> anyway, I think we get sold this Judeo-Christian Western thing of you must find someone, you must legally bind yourself to them. And obviously, millions and millions of people go, nah, not today. Not going to do that. Right. Been living with this wonderful woman for 20 years, and we're just cool pals. And maybe the courts might say common law, but we don't have anything but our honesty and our great devotion to each other and our own integrity. Mm -hmm. I think there are all kinds of ways of going through life. Eccentric. Weird people, I've been around them since I was very young. People who are, you're like, wow, that's, uh, really? <laughs> like, that's amazing that you live like that. I, I've been around people like that yeah. in my line of work constantly. In all, at this point, all over the world, I meet people who live really interesting, like I couldn't hack that kind of lifestyle. Right. So I think you get to choose your own way if you have the guts to go, okay, you know what? The way I'm going to go... Um, as Iggy Pop once said at the beginning of Bang Bang, this isn't the right thing to do, so let's go. <laughs> and that's kind of how I've been going for it. But uh, loneliness, what did you want to... Yeah, th so what you're saying just appeals to my wanderlust. It appeals to my own personal freedom and all that stuff. I get it. And then I'm like, if I were to try that for me personally, you talk about the holidays. I, I had to spend a couple days alone. Uh, and, you know, if I'm not performing or something... And there's, you know, fewer shows around December 25th. Sure. Uh, you know, two, three days, it starts, to, it starts to wear on me, and it's hard for me to 
not have I, I get that need for other people hmm. I need my reality reflected back to me I need to have my thoughts validated I need to hear other people's thoughts and it seems to me like you've worked out a pretty good system but it doesn't ever hit you no <laughs> when I was younger yeah yeah I was way more analog when I was younger you know like you have the gal you miss her or you want to you know be with some gal you know you just get generally lonely and you meet someone and you're like hey better than being alone let's um Let's be. Let's uh, spend some time together, starting right now, and that's you know that's being twenty eight or twenty two or whatever you know this young. Yeah, I don't feel lonely for anybody, and I'm not a tough guy. Believe me, I'm so not a tough guy. I just don't. Maybe I'm the chip got pulled out at some point, or it went bad. I just don't have that component. I have a instead of loneliness. And not that they're interchangeable. Instead of loneliness, I have grief. Mm. I grieve the people I know who are gone. Because some of them went way before they should have, in my opinion. And they went out horribly. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't all just like a health problem. Like a friend of mine, you know, his mother passed away. But, you know, she was of an age and she passed away and I was there and we went, okay, goodbye. And. You know, I miss her very much. I, I, you know, we were very close. But that's different from like a. But uh, but like she had a life, and you know, a buddy of mine, the great writer Hubert Selby, uh, wrote last exit to Brooklyn, Requiem for a Dream. Wonderful guy, I knew him for a long time, and he died at like seventy something. Okay, he he got some laps around the track, had a few laughs. So when I, I spoke at the memorial, I'm like, well, everyone in this building, at least we got to hang out with a guy. We're lucky. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily sad. It's just like, well. But then there's other people who get shot or they're in the wrong car on the wrong highway at the wrong time and, you know, they, right. get, they get killed. And you grieve these. <sighs> it, that's a problem with me. That does not go away. Yeah. It hurts as much and causes as much kind of berserko antisocial thinking in my mind as it did when it just happened. And some of these events are way in my past. Mm-hmm. Yet around their birthdays or the anniversaries of their their end, mm-hmm. their death, I go through all kinds of stuff. And what does that look like? I reclusion. Yeah, that's where I don't trust myself to be outside. Because if you're going to beep at me in your car, I am probably not going to remember the next seven seconds. You white out or black out? Yeah, where like red out shouldn't have done what i just did yeah that is not a rational i hope you person. don't share any walls share any walls <laughs> i'm assuming you live in a house and you don't have to share a wall oh no i live in a big old building it's remote oh really oh uh, yeah you could you could explode dynamite in there no one will ever hear it <laughs> um good but i get really we're just like you know what Let's just find these guys <laughs> yeah. and take care of business. And that's so not me. Yeah. But in those moments, you're, you're like, yeah. A, you're a Navy SEAL all of a sudden. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're like, nope, I'm going to sit in my kitchen mm-hmm. and I'm going to drink my coffee indoors tonight. Because usually I like to bug out of the place and go be out in the world and with a notebook and the coffee and you know go out in the world. But I go, nope, not going out tonight because mm-hmm. you, you are not thinking straight. So you're just going to sit still. So it's not like I'm a danger to anyone in society. No one should fear me. You're like the wolf man. There's just some emotion that gets plucked. And I've explained this to people. And more than one person has said, my friend, you have textbook off the rack PTSD. That's 
PTSD, that's the greeting card for PTSD, explosive anger, perceived slights, any perceived threat where you're like 10x coming back. Mm. My friend, you need to go talk to someone. And more than one person who knows what they're talking about said, Henry, Henry, you're like the people I talk to Mm -hmm. for a living. Mm -hmm. Like, oh. And so there's obviously... Have we done that? No. I, I don't believe in any of that. Why not? Uh, There's nothing to believe in. I mean, talking about things and, and even re-experiencing things. Paying someone by the hour You're one to of those? sit and go, like, how do you feel about that? Because it's on the clock, because it's money? Because I just, I just, I'll just, you know what? But if somebody's very, very good at pulling a chip, as you say, out of your brain and helping you refile it or... Why do I need help? Cope. You just, because then you could go out on the anniversary of your friend's death. Yeah. But maybe those feelings are really valid, and I know to just sit still and wait for them to pass. But what if they're real, and what if they're honest? You're putting some kind of judgment upon those feelings that they're not... Well, well they're not helping you. I, I think that's what they would say. Oh, I don't know. It makes me feel like I still give a damn. Hmm. Well, I'm still paying respect to these people by still having it hurt like getting run over or something every time, every year. Mm. And uh, there's a, a handful of people. And, and uh, my journal entries go quite dark. I'm and, sure. of course, I publish them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm right there with you. Truth and honesty and feeling things is, is all really good. But at a certain point, it does sound like it could be destructive to you. Again, I'm, just, I'm a comedian. I don't know what I'm talking uh, about. Destructive. What, what is me on my most destructive day? I wonder uh, what Extra you're... ice cream? <laughs> Two bags of Trader Joe's cheese popcorn in a 24-hour period. What I'm trying to <laughs> say to you, sir, is I am incredibly lightweight. Yeah. I'm a very lightweight individual. Yeah. Like you can leave your kid with me. You can leave your bank card with me. Like nothing's, you're not going to get ripped off. Right. No one's going to get hurt. Nothing's going to get broken into. Right. I am just, I'm rated G. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In that, I'm, I just wonder what you're, I'm not trying to break the law. I, I have no interest in it. I have no interest in rebellion. Right. I, like, and what? And get neutralized by a cop i know who's going to win that right so i'm not going to be the guy breaking out windows at the next just literally you know, though g20 on... summit in that i just know where that gets me what about the gray matter of your brain or your liver or your lungs or your heart or your stomach or your colon those or, are or guts your... yeah but what are, what are your guts going through when you were having an emotion there is a physical reaction to that as well i don't know maybe it shortens your lifespan yeah maybe i don't know i don't know do you think you deserve that uh do you think that i think every human good? gets exactly what they deserve you get from the government that lords over you to the pants you're wearing to your income to everything. You get what you deserve. So you're, you, I, it's on your Wikipedia page. Your friend was, was killed. Uh-huh. That's one of the things. That I have I, a Wikipedia. I've never been to it. I went to it. Huh? Henry, I do my research. I, you dig deep. <laughs> <laughs> I made sure the citations were there, my friend. Everything was backed up. But what a tragic thing. And then I understand the appropriate level of, of remembrance and honor. And I, I completely get that. But at a certain point, wouldn't even your friend want you to be like, hey, relax? You know what I mean? Like you're hurting yourself. I don't necessarily think I'm hurting myself. It's not like I'm uh, uh, drinking a bottle of alcohol. Yeah. I nor understand. am I uh, doing my weekend of cocaine and prostitutes. Right. I, I'm not – running my car into a wall nor am i trying to hang myself or cut myself up or burn my skin i just sit 
and just get inc- incredibly full of rage for a while. And the storm moves to the next county. And I just kind of go like, okay. Huh. And it's psychosomatic in that it's usually at a certain time of the year in that near the anniversary. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I, I, I run through the timeline. And this year on the anniversary of my friend Joe Cole, who you're making reference to, mm-hmm. I, I run through that time. Like, okay, we're at the whiskey. And now we're driving on Santa Monica Boulevard. Now we're back in Venice. Now we're on our bikes. And now we're at the grocery store. And here we go. Now we're getting robbed. And I, and I can kind of approximate it. And I was in, where was I doing this the other day? I was walking to the Dry Bridge, which is a flea market, in, oh, come on, in um, uh, Tbilisi, Georgia. Okay. And it, I was like 11 or 12 hours later there. So I had it on my watch, and I'm in broad daylight going, okay, we have just left the whiskey. We are, we've, Joe has two and a half hours more to, to live. Mm. He's going to be dead in two and a half hours. And I walked around, you know, looking at things, taking photos of people selling portraits of Stalin. Yeah. <laughs> looking at my watch, going, okay, and here we go. And I do that every year, just so I'm in the moment with him at that time, where I'm not just, hey, I'm traveling, man. When this thing happened all those years ago, it's like a moment where you stop. And you, you know, salute the flag of that. Right. Yeah. What are we refining, though? What are we burning off by doing that? I don't know if we're burning off anything. (laughs) We, I, am burning off, on, I don't know. I'm just (laughs) mad about it. And and there's, there's, the equation wasn't finished. You shoot a guy who's unarmed, who has his hands up, and nothing happens to you? Hmm. Really? And I don't believe in karma. Uh, it's just doesn't exist in my world, but some people need to, to get dealt with. Mm. I'm not in that business mm-hmm. and I, and I'm not, I don't have any, that person got away. It's an unsolved murder. Yeah. So why do why? And I'm not even into the death penalty or assassination, but I'm not at all. But why are you out on the street, man? And so there's that, element and at the same time the fact that a guy got killed for nothing and the guy who killed him i don't know where this person is he may be dead who knows he may be in one of them california's wonderful correctional institutions i don't know Mm. i truly i do not know um but the fact that what if he is parked two buildings down from here that is the realest that's that's how it is sometimes that's life, that you can kill somebody and uh, the sky doesn't fall on your head, that the uh, 16-ton weight from Monty Python's stage doesn't come out of the sky and smash you. You can just keep living. You can send over about a million members of the military to Iraq and have them come back in boxes, bags, Walter Reed, Bethesda Naval Hospital, balls gone, faces gone. I, I visited those hospitals so many times I lost count. And I saw every configuration of leg gone, arm gone, jaw gone, implant in the head because there's no more brain left. And the, 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 the scalp actually goes over the eyes. It droops. Like, so they have to put an inflatable implant in there. I saw all of that. I'm not trying to impress you with what I'm seeing. No. But that president, he just goes to Bob's big boy and goes bowling whenever he wants. Mm. 
nothing happens. Nothing happens to Dick Cheney. He just gets to go on the news and say, Obama sucks. And then goes back to, you know, and plays with his like $80 million. And all his friends go, you're awesome. Dick, you're awesome. Mm. And (laughs) nothing happens. And so the idea of justice, the idea of karma, I can disprove it with just my own life. And so you can either get really mad about it and have these ridiculous ideas of medieval revenge, which I have no capability or capacity to perpetrate. Just come on. Or you can find a way to kind of deal. And I can't go, I've forgiven him. Like, really? Wow. I can't do, I can't forgive anything like that. And you, know, you see these people, I watch all those crime shows on the internet. Like, the only way I can get on with my life after you kill my family is to forgive you. Like, really? Wow, that's huge. I could never do that. But all those stories, and I love those stories, all have the same punchline, which is when you hold a grudge or when you have hatred, you're only hurting yourself. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah, I think that's such a load of crap. My fury and my hatred and, and, and my anger gets me up in the morning. It keeps me curious, and my anger enhances my curiosity. And my curiosity enhances my anger, the former, where the anger uh, basically enhances the curiosity. Like I see countries in the world I haven't been to. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Like I was eating dinner in the uh, American consulate one night in uh, Dubai. And I'm sitting with all these people who like served different presidents. Their lives are amazing. So I said, any country you'd never go back to? And they all went, oh, yeah. They all said Pakistan. And that's what I wrote, note to self, go to Pakistan. And I myself left the next day for Tehran. Mm. But I said, okay, so I'll go to Pakistan. I said, why would you never go back? They go, nice people, but it can go south on you. Like they, all of a sudden you can be in a bad situation where you're not going to get out of it. Like military. No, like all of a sudden 30 people are surrounding you chanting to America. And like, we won't be able to pull you out of that. So you should never go. We've all served two years there, diplomats and whatever. And it was dicey as a, single person without an escort you should not go so of course i went why curious man tell me i can't i got nervous during argo (laughs) (laughs) you went to iran yeah Yeah. had a wonderful time what about pakistan pakistan people were you know i I, the next day after ms bhutto was assassinated you look out your windows there's columns of smoke everywhere islamabad was on fire all the diplomats from all the embassies were now in this hotel with the, you know their sleepy kids, you know they've just been woken up and wrenched out of bed, and all these hardcore security guys with suits and Uzis. I mean, like really, and the wires coming out of their ears. Reuters, everyone's there, BBC to get the story, but no one's going outside. So I go to the gate, and it's nothing but soldiers. And I go, "Hey, fellas, let me out." And they're like, "Sir, you you, you go back in the in your room." I said, "Is it illegal for me to go out?" And they went, "No, but we really recommend." I go, no, "Turn me loose, man." If you if you don't see me ever again, you know, we'll laugh about it. But uh I'll see you later. And I walked out into it and just watched people like rip stuff up. I watched one guy who's like beating up signs with a with a uh a metal pipe and then he looked at me. I'm like, "Well, this could be it." Um you, but I spent the you whole have to be day. conspicuous. I mean, I have to think there aren't Are you that kidding? many Americans. I was glowing white. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Western. And so I spent the whole day outside. What did you do? The man beating a sign with a pipe looks at you. You wave. <laughs> I just walked by. Like, yeah. Do you like, think at this point... I played my... it down and he played it down. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel like he was going to attack me. I just went, okay, that happened. 
keep are you, moving. Are you looking real muscly? Do you think it had to do with that? No, I got a sweatshirt on. I look like I look more like a potato. Um, and I spent and people eventually. There's no women on the street till sundown. It's all men and boys. I don't know what that's about, but that, that was what it was. And then all of a sudden, the women like they turn the women loose, and all the women came out right around sundown. All of a sudden, everyone was on the street. But during the day, it was men and young men and boys. Mm-hmm. And men would come up to me, my friend. Where are you from? America. They stop. Are journalist i go no sir just traveling diplomat no sir i'm just traveling oh well i'm so sorry you had to be here for this i said i'm so sorry for you and your country and for ms buto and they said yeah and they would shake my hand and that's that's all that happened to me that day as far as aggression towards me was my friend where are you from america are you do you work here no sir i just came here because i here i am and I've done that all over the world, Syria, Lebanon, For all over. For a guy over. who had his best friend shot randomly, you yeah. know, I know it was a robbery, but yeah. it seems pretty random. Yeah. This seems like the opposite of what you would be doing. You know what I mean? Like, you want to talk about PTSD, you could make a case psychologically to be like an afraid person. And here you are doing something that soldiers are paid brave people. Yeah. Uh, said don't do. And, well, yeah, and, but they're getting shot at all day and getting, you know. People want to blow them up. I, I have far less to answer to. Yeah, but I mean, it, I'm also not wearing a uniform, which is a huge target. It doesn't take. Yeah, but you're still, uh, you know, a white westerner, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much to hypothesize a misguided person. Oh no, it could go south on you. Being like, let's get this guy. Yeah, you just have to, uh, or just being angry and being like, I'm going to kill this guy. Yep, yep. But that's but that's that's uh, that's Baltimore on a Saturday night. I mean, you can get it anywhere, anytime. You just have to be um, have to have a grip on yourself. And I, I do this uh, all over the world. What was the best part? Was it getting back to the room or was it the walk? What, being out all day? Yeah, walking was and shaking hands. and Hearing what people had to say. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the adult men had really good English. I said, so what do you think for the future of their country? And they're like, you know, I don't know. I said, who do you think did it? And everyone said, oh, Pervez Musharraf. Are you kidding? Like, come on. Like, yeah. who else would it be? I'm like, I don't know, sir. I, I'm in your country. I, I, I'm here to be informed. And they all said, oh, it's... it's you don't Pervez know what Mishar. to say at a party, but you know how to make small talk on that day in Pakistan. Yeah, I've talked to tribal chiefs in their villages in Africa. and Talk uh, to a European woman who wants to kiss you <laughs> until you freeze up. That gets you nervous. I think that just makes you a compelling character. But uh, I've traveled pretty far and wide quite most of the time on my own. But North Korea, you have a tour spy. You went to North Korea? Yeah. I was in Pyongyang for a week. Um, how was that? It was sad. I mean, the people are fine. They're just terrified. You know, it, it, it's a situation I've seen so many times. Good people, bad government. Where the people, what are they? They're parents. They're food eaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're ones who desire what you want. Clean water, a roof that doesn't leak too much. Mm-hmm. And as they say, the proverbial uh, a fistful of 50s in a day without fear. They want their kids not to die of dehydration from diarrhea from bad water. They don't want inner tribal squabble. That leads to bloodshed. They don't want a government that's going to come and hack their arms off. And in parts of Africa, I've been to like South Sudan, some parts of Uganda, parts of uh, Mali, like in the north where it's kind of off limits now, near Timbuktu into the desert. I've been a couple of times. Life is really tough. Uh, Madagascar, man, you see kids, you know, with um, malnutrition, their stomachs are way out. I saw that in the mountains in uh, Haiti as well. But you see kids you're like, wow, that, I don't know if you're going to reach 40. I mean, it's really tough. Mm. 
And for me, I ask questions, I, I meet, I, I want to know. And I think if you show enough natural curiosity and respect for where you are, I never wear sunglasses. I always say, sir, you never speak to a woman unless you're introduced in any Islamic country, whether it be um, Indonesia, where it's you know, very, very Muslim, like in Jakarta, you just, you'll be introduced but you wait. You don't go, hey, hey, I'm Henry. It's just, you don't mean any harm. Right. And they know you don't, but they're like, ah, it's really not how it rolls here. Right. And so you just know where you are and talk to the men. And they go, hey, uh, what are you doing? And then if they speak, so they'll, they'll bend over backwards to show you what they're doing. Mm. And I've been invited into homes for tea and fruit and coffee and met the kids and they thought the tattoos were hilarious. I. Mm. Uh, and I've done this all over the world with great success because I lead with my curiosity, not with, I'm going to go here because I'm a tough guy, because I'm not a tough guy, nor am I brave. I'm neither. I'm just curious. And if you get your head cut off in one of these places, well, that's how that went. But at least you died doing what you wanted instead of people who spend like many years working at a place that they don't like, but they kind of learn to accept they just learn to accept the gut punch that that job gives them, and they tough it out. And like, what are the, one day I'm going to retire. So you're basically living for the cessation of the work, but not the work itself. Mm. I, I don't know how a human gets through that unless they use adultery, alcohol, porn, strip bars, carbohydrate-rich foods, and there's industries that provide those by the truckload yeah that's why you see all the pizza trucks flying by a pizza is very good yes but it helps it helps it, it, it helps it's comfort food and this is a country that beats itself up we are so hard on ourselves americans are brutal to themselves you go to italy and everything's closed at two hmm. you're like get to work and they're like get to work so nice day like, we're having our office out in the park today yeah you should lighten up and have some more olive oil which just <laughs> makes me go crazy but then you see like the 70 year old women on their bikes and you're like oh what a beautiful woman how old is she yeah. huh because i look older than she does right and then you come back to america and we are just like go you know we're crazy compared yeah. to other cultures europeans yeah. look at us and go like I hope you're having fun. It doesn't look like it. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying, oh, America's bad. Not quite the opposite. I'd love to come back as a Frenchman. But uh, I'd love to be able to speak French. Some of my favorite writers, I'd love to be able to read them without having to be in translation. Yeah, sure. But I have have found that a lot of people, as Sabbath used to say, kill themselves to live. And so if I get slaughtered in one of these places, a little death by misadventure, I don't want to. And that I'm not looking to get hurt like that. But if it happens, eh, was it worth it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would rather die on the streets of name the place. Yeah. Because I shouldn't have gone there. Than eating three pizzas. Than dying at like 80 with arteries that emit, that allow one blood cell a minute to pass through. Because, yeah, because I sat and watched a lot of TV and ate a lot of really bad food and cursed the darkness. Yeah. Like my dad, he's a PhD, very, very smart guy, really smart. I don't know him all that well. He's a very scary man. But a champion racist, a magnificent misogynist, and an and a, 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 a amazing homophobe. Just, you know, just gold medal. All three. All three. <laughs> and never traveled. 
And when I was a little kid, my mom would take me like, you know, Henry, we're going to Turkey. Okay, that's pretty trippy for a a 10-year-old. But, you know, Jamaica, Greece, England, you just get cultured. And I'd see my father on the weekend. Where have you been? Istanbul. He'd look at me, you know, like, (laughs) just say something. You're like, really? (laughs) Yeah. And he never went anywhere and had a life of, uh, look at that guy. Like, yeah, what's his problem? Well, he's black. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had to look at him because he was black. And why is he walking down in our, uh, the street of our neighborhood? I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm nine and you are ruining my life, man. <laughs> like, man, you are killing. You know, like, that's a lifestyle where you're killing yourself. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of anger in me, but it's not like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like seawater. You can drink the whole ocean. You're still going to be thirsty. Mm-hmm. And uh, his is just, it doesn't sustain anything. That just, he's a guy who chews his own fur. I don't necessarily think I do that. Well, you're doing the opposite of that. Oh, when I get mad, I get active. Like many years ago, as you probably know, the West Memphis Three, these three young men are incarcerated. By the time I got wind of that, I watched it on HBO. Well, a video that was given to me bootlegged off HBO. And my sound man said, you should watch this. In fact, you better sit down and watch this right now. So I watched it. I was like, wow, those three guys got the runaround. Let's go. And they all, my bandmates all said, what do you mean? I go like, let's be the cavalry. Let's go to Arkansas and let's like, let's, let's mess up the program. Let's like turn it over. It started with a benefit done up the street at the Troubadour. And we had all kinds of wonderful people contribute stuff to be auctioned off. And fantastic. Tom Waits, Bad Religion, all kinds of cool people said, here, I signed this. Here, sell it. We, we made a ton of money, gave it to the, to the, the cause. And I said, so let's do a benefit record. Did that. Really good. And I said, then let's do a benefit tour. And this cost me $70,000 in two summers of my life. And we contributed the money that got the DNA evidence at the crime scene tested that, got, that helped get the ball rolling. And I'm not trying to discount the gajillion other tons of money that everyone sent in 10 and $20 at a time. I'm just saying, I saw this and I got angry. So instead of getting angry and kicking a, a wall in at my house going, Arkansas sucks and like, you know, punching a wall, I said, oh, okay, let's raise a bunch of money and turn the spotlight on Arkansas, humiliate them and see if we can like rock the house in, in, in Arkansas. Turn the heat up. And yeah, and we were one of many, many, many people. And of course, then all the your big hitters like Johnny Depp and, and uh, Natalie Maines and Eddie Vedder and uh, uh, that Jackson fellow who does those the, the movies, Peter Jackson, yep. all came in with huge donations and, and muscle. And, and those are all really good people. Yeah. And they really gave selflessly. And I, I've met three of the four of them and they're just good to go. Mm-hmm. And they put their money where their mouths are. Mm. And those guys got out. And for me, it wasn't like, don't worry, I'll save you. I went at it because I was mad. I give money, a lot of it, for many years down the street from here at a place called Holly Grove Children's Services Center. It's a place that handles really challenging kids who get kicked out of other orphanages. They need special, a lot of attention. So I, I do benefits and have been given money to them since the 80s. Why? Because they're awesome and they do great work and the kids are just fantastic. I, I, I love kids kind of unconditionally, but I don't give them money like, oh, hey, because I'm a nice guy. I'm not a nice guy. I give money to these people because I'm really freaking pissed off that there's orphans. Like you ditched your kid 
If you notice, I don't curse on your show. I did notice. But I got a boatload of those words. So I'm giving my money with anger. (laughs) That kid wets the bed. He needs extra attention. Here. There. Help him. Yeah. I'm not smiling when I give that money. Mm. I want to find these parents and go, like, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, you ditched this kid? Like, you, you, you cut and run on this kid? and But, you know, that's also a big conversation. Yeah, my husband's on meth. He used to beat the crap out of me. I was 15. I didn't know what to do. Whoa. So all of a sudden you can't broad brush that thing. You have to go, wow, I should shut up and listen more. But these kids, they don't ask to be born. And so I'm nothing but angry that they, for whatever reason, they're getting raised in some building without mom and dad. And so that's where my money goes. And a lot of the benefit work I do is, you know, I, I do benefit work with one agency that drills water wells called Drop in the Bucket. They're amazing. And I'm kind of a cheerleader. I do the speak at the events and host the whatever and I've been to Africa with them. And when you see these, these wonderful, these beautiful school children with the water, you know, the kids are learning better because they got water. They can clean themselves up. The grades go up. Girls get literate. I mean, things get better. Mm-hmm. I like lots of little kids becoming literate and being hydrated. I, I, but I, I contribute and give time to that agency, not because I like water, because I hate drought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I hate famine. It's like indefensive anger. Yeah. your second book. Right. And, and I saw Ann Coulter say something once uh, oh, about a year ago. She said – she was talking to us about Sarah Palin. She was like, I envy her enemy list. Like, you know, the lefties and the progressives. And I said to myself, lady, you don't have enemies. Hmm. You just have people you make fun of and are snarky about because you're a smart lawyer from Cornell. I have re- I'd like to think I have real enemies. Famine, thirst, inequality. That's the ones I'm taking on. You want to get a sword and come in and get down with this dragon with me? Because it hits back really hard. It's really well funded. Is Peter Jackson one of the ones you met? <laughs> no. Because that sounds like a movie. Well, I'm just saying, like, you want to get real? And, yeah. like, you, you want to take on an enemy that can beat you? Yeah. Or do you just want to make fun of an Islamic student in a Canadian university who you burn during one of your spoken word shows? Right. Where, like, why don't you go home on your flying carpet? You have an enemies list? So do I. But mine, Yours are better. mine are all multi-billion-dollar <laughs> pursuits. They're human things, uh, and so I'm. The older I get, the more pissed off I get. I was in uh, where wherever uh, where was I? I'm forgetting where Derry. I'm forgetting where I was. Armagh. I was in Northern Northern Ireland, and I was interviewing a guy named uh, Eamon. His last name is escaping me, but he was there on Bloody Sunday. He walked me. I was doing a documentary there. He walked me through. He was, I was crawling on the street right here, uh, crawled by a dead cop who's lying right there. Uh, my friend died on that corner. You're like, whoa. Mm. Uh, and this guy is like, he's 70 something, and he is this furious, you know, a magnificent guy. And he's just like, just yelling at us. And he's cursing, like, well, it's IFC. We'll be able to run it. Yeah. And then, you know, he's done. He's like, okay, I, I have to go to a meeting about this thing. He tears the mic off and gives it, very good to meet you. He kind of shakes my hand and throws it back at me and kind of, you know, have a good evening then and storms off, like, it, just to go do this other thing. Yeah. And he goes, two weeks ago, I was, I was in Beirut sleeping on a roof with my friends, the, the activists. And you're like, Wow. You never have to calm down. I mean, this guy could be my grandfather. No, actually, <laughs> my dad's older than this guy. But 
he was furious. Yeah. And on the move. And he was a really gray-haired dude. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you can be that age and be completely punk rock, alive like an electric wire. I mean, he was frightening, his amount of energy. Yeah. Like he walked away, we all went, wow, that's a lesson. There's no such thing as old age. It's all in your head. Yeah. Look at that guy. Get angry. <laughs> well, it, it, it works for me. But I don't want you to think that I'm some PC. I'll help everyone. But when you when you live in this country and you do your history and you see that in 1865, America had a moment where we really, really could have fixed it. 13th Amendment, you know, equality, let's you know, lose slavery. Like, let's get on the good foot, finally. We, we obviously weren't interested. We came up with Jim Crow laws. We institutionalized racism. And now you have problems where you, you say, we got a problem with law enforcement and African-American people, to which Bill O'Reilly replies, have you seen the stats on black-on-black crime? Different conversation, Bill. Come back to the table and let's do the heavy lifting. A lot of people don't want to do the heavy lifting and, like, fix the problem. Like, oh, what, you, what socialism? No. I don't even really know what exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah, but there's solutions, and you're saying treat the real the real problem. Well, I'm just saying there's a lot to be mad at if you have any sense of fair play and decency. And I have to comport myself with a certain bit of that anger, otherwise I feel like I'm just kind of part of the problem. Hmm. And I just sit there in my room in my boxers going like, damn it, these, these, these racists are ruling the day. Harumph. I, I, I'm on the move. And, and so that's kind of part of my overall vigor. Yeah. And when I'm really doing it right, I don't even think of my age unless I'm trying to make a joke. <laughs> You're like that. You will be like that old guy in North Ireland. I'd, I would – that's you know goal. what? I really admire him. Yeah. Because, man, he's, he's, he's right now. He's not any age. That's your next book, Live Wire. He's just really <laughs> in it, on it, and living it. Yeah. And like he was like, we all walked away from like going, wow, that was a really worthwhile experience. He was amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I love that. I, I wasn't there, but I, I pictured it very vividly the way you told it. Yeah. Northern Ireland is beautiful. So many nice people there. I'm sure. Yeah. We always uh, like to talk about God on the show, too. I'm very curious here when huh. you say all this stuff. Yeah, you, you seem to have like a spirit, spiritual thing about you. I do enjoy that sort of stuff, and yeah. I love hearing other people's thoughts on it. So. I think it's all uh, completely uh, – not... No. Well, no. See, I, I wouldn't put it in the pejorative. I just I, – it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Do you, are we talking about religion or are we talking about like some sort of – Karma, religion – and I respect religion until it says if Bill and Tom get married, they should be struck down. Right. Uh, and, or when you're cutting off a head in the name and you're holding up a holy book. I don't think those people are like the Muslims that I've met all over the world who are completely not like that. Sure. Well, what if we throw away religion? Is, is there anything left? I mean, what I mean is, is there a bigger purpose? Is No. No? Well, no, I'm only speaking for myself. No, if I want there's, If there's a bigger purpose for you... I would on no level like to have a debate with you about that in that you are coming from an honest and good, in my estimation, place. I'm not going to talk you out of it or try and say I, – I don't even have the energy to be an atheist. Like I don't believe in any religion at all. 
but I'm not against anyone who does because I've spent weeks at a time in Islamic countries. Everyone's nice to me. I've spent weeks at a time in Buddhist countries. and They're just, you know, magnificently graceful, gorgeous, wonderful examples of the species. Mm. And the temples, I mean, they're just, you're like, okay, that's... That's examples a pretty, of the species is that's pretty okay. rocking way to get through your day. I yeah. mean, like they're they're not bumming me out on any level. Yeah. Yet, I don't want to live like that. And I get these letters now, Henry. I pray for you every night because I see these tattoos on your body, and I see how you've destroyed your body. <laughs> and the twenty-two-year-old me would have written back like, "Hey, you know, screw you." But now I just write back. I go, "Well, thanks." I don't care. You're praying for me. That's on your time, Jack. You knock yourself out. I there's people are still talking about your tattoos. I when I did that show on the History Channel, it's it's no more. But I would get one to three letters a week. My family will. We love the H two Network, but we can't watch your show because of those awful, obscene tattoos you've ruined your body with, and the fact that you wear a black t shirt. What is your problem? Don't you wash? And I. I would write back, thanks for watching H2. Stay tuned. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm on the company clock, even though they're writing me at my website. I want to reflect well on the sure. network I was working for. So I was like, well, you know, thanks for watching. Uh, but people, you know, Henry, I'm going to pray for you. Like, okay. To me, religion is just crowd control. It's an outdated mode of like, we got a lot of people and some of them aren't going to get fed. And so how do we, hmm. how do we police them? We got some guilt going. No one likes to jump in a fire. You know what? Let's make a place where there's nothing but fire. And no one likes waiting in line at the DMV. How about we make a thing called eternity where you sit at the DMV forever? Yeah. But three and a half hours at the DMV, which happened to me, it felt like forever. Oh, no, 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 dude. We have enhanced DMV. (laughs) It's called hellfire. Yeah. And how do you get that? Jacking off. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so screwed. Well, you've, you've uh, made a need and then you've supplied some sort of solution to that need. But to me, it's like for people who are rubbing sticks together and fi- figuring out we could put the dead buffalo in the fire. It might taste better. Yeah. That's, to me, religion is like, oh, no, big fire in sky. It, it's so crazy because you'll see people with a cell phone, an iPad, driving a smart car, and they're doing stuff. They're right. buying and trading stock. Right, right. On Sunday, I must go to temple and, and, and talk to the big guy because he's listening. As you do Scott trade? I mean, how can you live in this incredibly technical world? We're putting diseases behind us like AIDS and HIV. We are living longer. We are screwing longer thanks to pharmaceuticals. (laughs) These blue pills that have these old horn dogs running around looking for a date. And still you have to – I have the good book. Really? I think you're selling yourself short because I got a lot of good books at my house. I got (laughs) F. Scott Fitzgerald. I got Thomas Wolfe. I got, well, here's a gospel record. I got a lot of gospel records. In fact, I listened to a Tammy Faye Baker record a few hours ago. (laughs) Well, what are people chasing? Is there anything authentic? Because I'm with you. That sounds like a lot of horseshit. But if they want to do it, 
Oh, I'm, I'm, I agree with you there. Let's not stop anybody. I'm not getting in anyone's way. But when you try and lay it on me, or when you try is, and put it in my governmental systems, well, fuck all that. What is I got a big problem with? It. What is true though? Do you feel any sort of yearning or longing to the eternal? Is this proof of anything? Oh no, hell no. I I reckon when I'm gone, it's over. It's materialism, right? So by saying, well, you know, when I get to heaven, no, no, you know what? You're pushing off obligation and ambition. And woulda, coulda, shoulda off on... I'll catch up when I'm in heaven. Well, that's a way to sedate people, too. If you got a lot of people that you can't Hell feed yeah. or calm down, you tell them this isn't your world. Yeah, no, yeah. you know what? Through. It's going to get better, because in heaven, you won't have the shackles on. You, you came from Angola on a boat. I Probably kind of uncomfortable. Right. You have all those whip marks on your back, but you're going to the promised land, right. where the scars will be gone, and there'll be nothing but, but food, and, and your family yeah. will be Ambrosia. there. That's kind of gets you back into the fields for Which, another day without cutting your boss's head off. Yeah. I get that. But you think dead lights out? Yeah. So while I'm alive, let's make some ladies and gentlemen. James Brown. <laughs> it's star time. Like when else do you have it? Yeah. Like it is now. So if you're gonna, if you want to ask that gal out on a date, it's not tomorrow. You should probably walk right over there. Well, if you can really own the fact that death is forever and this is all we have, you absolutely should do that. Yeah. I completely. And you. so you might as well get on with it. I buy records all the time because you can never have enough music. But it's, it's easier to buy them than to find the time to listen to them. Sure. And it's easy to kind of get the cart loaded with vinyl, leading the horse who's listening to the vinyl. <laughs> so I just make rules for myself. I'm getting through all of this before I die because I'm never going to retire. And there's never going to be that imagined time. Someone said it. Some musician said it. When you buy a book... And you probably got it from someone like Twain or Tom Waits. But someone said, when you buy a book, you're not buying the book. You're buying the time you think you'll have to read it. Mm. And I took that into the comedic realm. Of that, and that's why men buy those ridiculous DVD box sets for the 80 hours of outtakes. Because right. they really think they're staving off the Grim Reaper. You buy 80 of those. like It's yeah. uh, Deadwood with the extra 50 hours. You buy 20 of those and you build an igloo of imagined time around yourself Death won't find me. That's right. Because I've got the outtakes you that can't I haven't take seen yet. Yeah. You can't take me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have all this crap to I have watch. I Band of Brothers. I have ban- <laughs> I'm going to watch Rome again. I'm going to watch The Wire one more time. Yes. He'll never find me here. That's right. That's and, the undercurrent of all those things. You're yeah, absolutely and like, right. You know, and like, so you said you wanted to go to Vietnam. Oh, yeah, me and my boyfriend, we always wanted to go. Well, when are you going to go? Well, you know, one day we're going to go. When is that day? Well, right. You yeah. got to book that, man, while you still have the sap in your bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just go, do it. Yeah. Because there is no second take. Right. And <laughs> if you're going to live that way, it also forces you, well, maybe encourages you to have a lot of respect for other people's dreams and desires and, you know, what they're throwing themselves into. I get these people writing me, dude, listen to my band. You're like, okay. Because you get like four of those in a day, and the top of the letter is bait. Henry, man, yeah, love you, dude. And then I have a band. And you're like, ah, uh, we almost got right to yeah. the end of the letter, and yeah. there's an attachment. There's and the switch. It's gonna be, and it's like, yeah. and I love you, and you gotta listen to my band now. Yeah, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I listen to the guys. Band. You do? Yeah. Good for you. Why not, man? What? What? You're just gonna like not? Mark has spam. So you. Yeah, I just can't <laughs> shut the kid down. He's in, you know, Indiana. He's trying. I understand. So you write back, and and the worst crime about a lot of this music, it's just mediocre. Yeah. It's like okay, I I you have a corn record. You have all the corn records. That's 
It is that there you go. Oh, you like Tool. You can hear it. As you write back, you can't say, you know what? You sound like your record collection. You're writing back a 15 or 16-year-old kid who had the wherewithal to conspire with his ADD bros to get in the garage and hammer out some unholy noise. Yeah. And at least they're doing something. So I write back and I say, like, um, you know, I'm the bass player. And like, well, sounds like you're like really, really having a great time playing. Sounds like, you know, you're really hitting that bass hard. May it never end. Have a great time. Sounds like you guys are really rocking. Because it does. Yeah. And then they go, can you put us on the radio show? Like, yeah, get back to me in a year. Yeah. Where you, you can write back something encouraging because that young person is putting everything they have as unschooled or maybe not unique as it is yeah. into that evening in the basement. They booked the flight to Vietnam. They're doing it. They're doing the thing. And you have to go, you know what? I say this all the time, and you got to give people a lot of respect. Every possible exit to to pull it to pull it out. Like guy's been a, a, a jerk to me all evening, but maybe he's upside down on his house. His wife's about to leave, and the kid no longer talks to him. And what if the last minute goes? You know what? I, I I'm really sorry. I'm having a really hard time in my life. When I was rude to you an hour ago. I'm really sorry. I'm like, hey, man, that's all I needed to hear. Mm. And I'm damn sorry about what's happening. And I've had people rip strips of flesh off me via email. I, I, I hate you. And then like four weeks later, they'll write back, you know what? I'm really having a bad time. I don't hate you. I don't hate anybody. I'm sorry. And mm. I write back, I, we're cool, man. Don't mm. worry about it. Mm. And I never go like, hey, screw you. I just go like, yeah, I hear you. I, 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 never, I might not necessarily would have written what you wrote in that mood. Because I have before, and I really regretted that. Right. But I have learned you really got to give humans a lot of room to boogie-woogie because they're dynamic creatures. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so dead over, no religion. Uh, you, For me. You, yeah. And I could be unbelievably surprised. Yeah. Like, I die, and all of a sudden, you're like, really? Yeah. Hell, huh? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> exactly. Like, and like, who's going to be? It's going to be me, my dad, and Idi Amin. Like, ah, oh, this sucks. <laughs> Probably not. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But I, mean, I, I, oh. I think there's a, a lot of interesting intellectual force that has been push, pushed into the spiritual ideas. And there's a lot of high intellects who go into this it just doesn't it doesn't it's never been in my life where something bad happened well yeah that's just because god is teaching me a lesson on how to lose okay thanks yeah i think i can just pick that up by not making that mistake again because the stove would really suck when i put my hand on the flame i don't think that was god i think that was heat and the vulnerability of my skin to fire yeah. And it, de- it starts to degrade at a certain temperature. Yeah. Just like yours, the king's, the president's, and any hot chick. <laughs> Everyone goes, ah! Except for G. Gordon Liddy, apparently. <laughs> it's not God. That's the facts. That's life. That's, yeah. that's the material world. Yeah. Here, we love to end the show. I'd love to ask you, I, I have so many of these end questions on that piece of paper, but well, I think the one I want to ask you is, the, do, can you think of one of the hardest times you've ever laughed? The hardest time I've ever laughed? Yeah. If you know the hardest time you've ever laughed, that would be good. Uh, I laughed at my friend's funeral. Which friend? My friend Joe. Really? That Yeah, because we had to book it. We had to call everyone. We had to give everyone directions. It was like booking a gig. And they all showed up. It sold out? Yeah. And me and the guys <laughs> at my book company and my girlfriend at the time, wonderful woman, she, 
that we had to go into production for the Joe Cole event. Mm. And like, and because no one knows, they're all like flying in. Well, we're calling bands, we're calling all kinds of people, like people I don't know his all his friends. I'm calling I'm like, hi, I'm Henry. You know me. I'm Joe. Okay, here's what's happening. It's in two days here at noon. And uh, here's a map. You make a left on Barham because there's no internet. You know, mm-hmm. We're just like, here it is. And look it up and get out your, your map and find it. And by the time we're all standing there, with that, none of us had any time to mourn because we were busy. Okay, uh, he, some guy from you know, this band left his, his guitar effects pedal at, in Joe's room. We got to find this guy and give it back to him. Hey, this is Henry Rollins. Is this your pedal? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yes, I know. It is bad. I'm sorry. Do you want me to bring this to you? I don't have a car, <laughs> but can you come and get this? Do you mind? Cool. Uh, we'll be here for the next two hours. And do you mind taking this guy's guitar back to his place? You know him, right? <laughs> Thanks. And we had to do all this stuff. Yeah. Like his phone bill, his last video he rented. We had to go back to the place. How much o- overcharge? It was uh, Rocky. Four, because we used to watch Stallone films and laugh our asses off. <laughs> and I walked back with the overcharge. And I went, "How much?" And they're like, "They went, Henry, are you kidding? Yeah, we're yeah, so yeah. sorry." Yeah, I yeah. go, "No, man, it's like three days." They went, "Henry, it's on us. It's on Blockbuster." AT and T was not like that. I said, "The guy's dead. Like, he still owes thirty four. Like, put it on my account." Wow. Yeah. And so by the time the funeral happened, it was like a gig, and we're all standing together. We don't know these people. And then everyone is like going through their their thing, mm-hmm. and at one point, um, one of the guys at the book company said, "Like, you know, we could have brought T-shirts to this you know, for merch." <laughs> and we were so sick, sad, in, yeah. sick yeah. with sadness yeah. that you you laugh at the at the weird stuff. Yeah, and we're all like, <clears throat> yeah. like, not the time to laugh. Like, um, who's the wonderful guy in Monty Python who died? And they've actually filmed the wake. It is hysterical. Really? Because everyone is mourning Graham Chapman, mm. who is like a comedic god. Mm. And he died. And they're having a real ceremony. And the Monty Python guys are there. All kinds of people are there. And everyone's just like, wow, this – and like John Cleese gets up. Well, you know what? Personally, I <laughs> it just goes off. And at first, everyone's like, oh, you know, we need this. And the place just hit, yeah, laughed yeah. because it's a new way to mourn. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, thank you for giving me strawberry along with the chocolate and the vanilla. Because yeah. I need to really yell right now and yeah. I'll do it with laughter. Yeah. Everyone's crying, but they're yeah. laughing. Yeah. And so at my friend's funeral, I'm like laughing. I'm like, he's in a box. And like, you know what? We could have t-shirts. Yeah. And you just need something. It's so funny that you cry when you laugh and when you cry, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, that was a release. moment where we probably shouldn't have laughed, but we were, just, we were church laugh. sick. It's with, the best church laugh. Sick with grief. Yeah, of course. Where you're like, oh, give me something. Yeah. And other times I've been um, really sick. Like every once in a while you get like the cold from hell because you're on tour and you're just like, you know, not sleeping enough. Usually in November when I'm on tour, I wake up like, oh, no. Oh, no, because it can't cancel. We're parked in front of the venue. And by noon, you feel like you've been beaten with a stick. And by sound check, you're like, oh, no, sweating. And before the show, you feel like death. I'm sure you've done this, where you're like, I can't play. Ah, I'm going out there. Mm-hmm. And you, all you can do is laugh. You're like, oh, 
okay. Yeah. This will probably be the best show of the tour. Yeah. And you pull it off, it just hurts like a bastard. Yeah. And it's hard to concentrate because you're so busy wiping your nose and yeah. not passing out. Yeah. But all I can do in those situations is laugh, especially when many years ago I did a show at the theater. I can never, it's near the Wiltern. I can never remember it. It's across the street from the Wiltern mm, on Wilshire. And it's such a good theater. I can never remember the name of it. Anyway, I was doing, you know, the big budget video and I woke up. I'm like, oh no. And I went on stage like, <sighs> and that's what we had to, that was. That's the day what, we shot. Yeah. There, there's no second day. Can't right. afford it. Right. And so you see me on stage looking like hell warmed over. Yeah. I was a death omelet. Afrin. I'm like, hi. NyQuil. Yeah. Dayquil. And in those situations, what are you going to do but laugh? Yeah. In every awful gig I've had to do in places that smell like a blown up men's room, where we'd be in like, you know, some rank part of the world. Yes. And you're in a place like, what? What is that? Men's room not work. You're like, yeah. I can, oh, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you're, yeah, yeah. you're just in gig hell. It's, it's, it's February. It's freezing. There's four angry people at this show. And our sound man would just laugh and say, gotta love it. And that just became our thing. Because I did a lot of, I've done a lot of gigs in my life where four people show up. Right. Um, and you, just gotta go, you gotta love it. Gotta and you, love it. you make that the best show of the tour. You just go out there in front of all 20 of them and you just break them to pieces. Yeah. And you go, wow, I really had a good time tonight. Yeah. And you realize it's all in your head. Yeah. And so... Uh, I still remember shows for four people that were some of my favorites. Yeah. I, I remember my first time in front of one or two people. It was in Black Flag, beginning of the 1982 tour, I think, or 84. And I was playing... 82. I was playing in front of nobody, but like two bouncers and a bartender and like two guys with mullets at the back. Norman, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Something like that. And I was getting copying an attitude. And Chuck Tukowski, the bass player, is on my stage left. He's coming and he runs into me, Hmm. like with his right shoulder, like wham, and flattens me. And I get up, like, you know, like I got broadside. Like, what what was that? Get the license plate of that truck. Yeah. And I get up, like, a friendly hit me because I'm used to the audience hitting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked at me, he said, You never. You never give less than 100% on this stage with this band. Hmm. And I'm like, he only had to tell me that once. Hmm. So I was like, yo, here's a song if you give a, you know. And, and Chuck went, oh, no, 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 no. That ain't Black Flag, pal. Hmm. You know, you, every night you give it the, the large one, as they say. Hmm. And he only had to tell me once. So it immediate, give it the large it, one. That's a British term. Give it the large one, mate. But it's, it was immediately the truthiest truth I had ever heard. And up seared to on your bones. I was like. He's so right. Yes. I deserved getting pinned to the ground like that, yes. knocked off my feet. He's right. I've never repeated that behavior. I was just young and feeling some sense of entitlement. I love it. And I never forgot that lesson. Oh, what a fucking great story. Yeah, yeah you're full he, of them, man. He was right. Yeah. He was right, and I was wrong. And he schooled me. But he's the older guy. That was his job to school that me. That is his job. Thankfully, I, I got it. Yeah. Well, imagine how many people are listening to this that in bands, whatever they're in, would, are learning that lesson. I love that. You know, and you find it with it. You know, there's a, a handful of performers who don't have to perform anymore in that. Well, they do, but they don't. Many of us in the conventional world, we think of, oh, he's going out there because he's going to make a bunch of money. Because a lot of people do work for the weekend. They work for a salary. Without mm-hmm. that salary from doing that job, their life is bad. There's some people, Ozzy Osbourne, Mick Jagger, Don Rickles. They don't need money. They probably don't know how much millions they have. Yet, Don Rickles is playing next week. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Rolling Stones are going to do something. Mm-hmm. These people keep going out. So it can't be for money because, you know, when you have 150 million pounds in one of your accounts, what are you going to do, <laughs> do with 20 more? Yeah. In that more pizza, you own a pizza chain. I mean, right, right. it must be because you really want to get out there. Right. And so you find some people, They've Don Rickles just really wants to tell you those jokes. Mick Jagger really wants, I guess he really wants to sing Satisfaction in front of me. I right. really believe that. He can't seem to find it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but he really wants to go to Rio and, and go to that stadium yeah. and do honky-tonk women and rock my ass. Yeah. He really wants to do that. Give and it can't be about the, the money yeah. or his ego because like, he knows who he is. And, you'll, and, I, and I impart that to young band types who write me all the time or like, hey, man, I want to be a comedian. And like, what, what, what would I say that would make an audience like me? I'm like, you know what? None of the people that you really like ever asked that question. They just went out and did it. Mm-hmm. And believe me, they, they got booed and they got heckled and they cried and they really had some bad nights up there. And if you really want to do this, so shall you and you will be okay. But get ready. They're gonna, you're going to get some awful reviews. Mm. You know, Not everyone can be Chris Rock and just win all the time. He's mm. like kind of that guy. He's just really, really good. The rest of us are not. And you're going to get panned. It, and the comedy world, I wouldn't go near with a 10-foot pole. Those people are too mean. Mm. Um, in the rock world, yeah, you know, you, you're going to get blown off stage. You're going to get bad reviews. If you ever get out of the garage, if you're lucky enough to be good enough to get a bad review that anyone cares to even write about you, stop thinking about the money or what you're supposed to be. Iggy Pop never asked what sells. He never asked what was supposed to be. He's like the leopard. He doesn't know he has spots. He's too busy being a leopard. Hmm. Just go do it <laughs> and never ask. And it, ask it. I, I, I like, dude, Henry, I need advice. I'm like, I'm not the guy to ask for advice. I never asked for any. I don't know what to advise except don't ask for advice. Hmm. Just let it rip, son. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just go out there and like be Godzilla and coming out of the Sea of Japan. Give him the large. The one. audience is the is Tokyo. Yeah. Do do your worst yeah. or your best. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Was amazing, Katie. Yeah, we, I, 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 I I hope it was okay. I in in these these podcast scenarios, I always hope that the host got what he or she wanted i did because i can't can't go off on a bit of a tangent no no not at all this is what i call a day off and that is just such a that's a pleasure for me do you understand you do well, understand you. well no Doing i interviews, i appreciate it that's that's a, a i've interviewed compliment. a lot of people so you know what it's like well some of them are awful yeah i know it's like why'd you say yes if you showed up here with that attitude. with one word answers <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. No, but this this was a pleasure. Well, thank you, sir. This is a weird way that we end. We have the guests say, keep it crispy. It doesn't really mean anything. Ladies and gentlemen, wonderful podcast attendees, <clears throat> keep it crispy. <laughs> my, name is, my name is Henry Rollins. <laughs> thank you so much, man. A pleasure to meet you. Yes, sir. All right. Day 15, I'm so crispy, I'm so crispy. My ice game make you haters want to get me. Now leaving Nerdist.com.